I can see your waveform, man. I'm not pegging my meters, am I? I don't want to peg my meters. <laughs> yes, don't want to peg your meters. You're not. No, that would be no. bad. Okay, yes. cool. That would be cool. Hey, man, uh, there's, yeah. this is going to be a four-hour episode. There's just a shitload of stuff to talk about. I know, I know, I know. I'm just like, oh, my God, there's uh, – and we've only – I think it's been like nine days since the last time we recorded an episode. It hasn't been a um, long time. No, it hadn't been a long time. Um, I'm trying to remember when when was the last – oh, right before the B-52s concert. So that was last Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. And today is Friday. And so, yeah, nine days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, I was off work, and I crammed a shitload of stuff into those nine days. Uh, I think you did, yeah. And I, I think you did too. I know you did a couple things that I, that I uh, uh, saw on Facebook. So, and of course, we both watched the new Twin Peaks. Exactly. And you can watch four episodes. Right. And I mean, that's going to be two hours of conversation right there. So I know. This I know. It's going to be. A, this is going to be our longest episode ever. Yeah, I'm pissed off at David Lynch. I'm like, damn, you dumped four episodes on us at once. We're overwhelmed. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I don't want to get into it yet, but uh, damn, there's I a know. lot to talk about. I know. There is so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I went to Houston, hung out with my nephew. It was my parents' anniversary. Right. Got to go out to dinner with them. Okay. Uh, and then... Um, one day, me and my nephew and my sister and my dad, uh, the four of us just drove over to Louisiana for a couple hours and went to a casino. Oh, shit. Um, okay. So, I, yeah, I had a great time, got to spend time with family. Um, and uh, still, uh, you know, at my, at my nephew's house, we, 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 wa- we watched a ton of TV. Oh, shit. Okay. And and uh, so there's a bunch there that, are, oh, I know what I was going to say. So uh-huh. talking to my nephew, you know, he listens to the podcast and he's like, he's like, yeah, my favorite part is the pre-show when you guys just talk and BS. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, other than that, I follow along on the on the guide you kind of put online. Yeah. And sometimes I skip stuff I'm not interested in based on, you know, what the the table of contents thing that we do. Okay. Um, Makes sense. So I'm like. And I'm like, you know, I like the pre-show part of the show, too. It's the best part of the show. But God damn it, sometimes there are just things that we've done and things that we want to talk about that mm-hmm. aren't just chit-chatting. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, there's obviously things and events that we've done or, or shows that we've watched that you want to make part of regular sections in in the, the actual show. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think we've struck a, a decent balance between pre-show and and actual show and i know there are people who you know they're not watching the same shows as we are and so they're yeah i can understand where they may not be interested in something but right of course at the same time maybe just by us talking about it it could spark some interest in someone and say well hey i I think i want to binge watch that now you know based upon the conversation these two guys have had about this show so right you know right i you know I mean, yeah, it's it's there's so much that I like talking about, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the people who died segment this week is going to be massive. More people have died in the last nine days. <laughs> I know and all of them, not all of them, but many of them were just kind of um, D list celebs. Um, right. I think I only know of um, like three big names, but uh, yeah, I'm sure there's 
probably plenty of, you know, obscure names that 90% of the people out there have never heard of, but, you know, still significant right. in their own right. So, yeah. I yeah, mean, worth mentioning. Of course. And, uh, um, you know, and then we, like we were saying, we saw the B-52s, mm-hmm. that show, and I saw them twice, which oh, was amazing. Exactly. Which I, I can't and then, wait to hear about the, the, the second show that you went to see. Yeah. There's some stuff going on in Austin that I wanted to talk about. Okay. And, and there's uh and I've got so many notes on Twin Peaks I have to I have to file I have to scroll <laughs> down it. To, I know. I've got know. I've got pages of notes myself, so it's like Right. We're, uh, there was um Oh my god, so much to was, talk we, about and try to try right? to absorb. You know. We've seen two episodes of Fargo since we last talked. Right. That's and true. And so just a, yeah, just a ton of stuff. So I well, so before we get started, I did want to ask you yeah. um about did you get your results back from your little um nodule on your thyroid? I did. Uh I went to uh, the actual spatu- specialist I went to was an oncologist, actually, uh, not a thyroid specialist. I he wasn't specialist. a spatulist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get well, it. Take out your thyroid with the spatula. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm sorry. So anyway, yeah, he's a he's a uh, well-respected oncologist. Oncologist uh, referred to be by my general practitioner, and uh, he looked at the ultrasound himself. And, uh, you know, did a, a physical examination and he says, well, it looks to me it's just like a, a calcified cyst. Really, uh, you know, 99.9% of the time they're nothing and, and you really don't want to do anything to them. And so he said, okay, we'll just make an appointment three months from now and see if it's changed in any way. And if it has, then maybe we'll think about doing something. But right now, don't worry about it. And so (laughs) that was like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders, not having to worry about that. So, yeah, as far as I know, you know, it's not anything to worry about. And we're talking about a a centimeter in diameter cyst here. So we're we're not talking about any big deal. And he even right. said, yeah, he even said to me that, you know, if you cut open a hundred men your age and looked inside their bodies, they'd have some kind of assist on some organ of their body that is causing them <laughs> zero problems. And so, yeah, so he pretty much right. allayed my fears. And, and I think it was pretty smart that, you know, he's saying, okay, yeah, come back in three months and we'll, we'll check it out just to make sure nothing has changed. And I, I think that's a good course of action and so uh yeah I, I guess i guess i may last longer than a year well good well that's good right we, <laughs> at least three months we hope right <laughs> right so we might we might make it to a thousand episodes after all so who knows Woo! <laughs> oh that's right this is episode 42 that's the, right uh the what is the the meaning of life the universe and everything uh, it's it's the answer to to the question of what is the meaning of the meaning of life, life, the universe, and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so the answer. This is, but this is the answer, right? The answer is <laughs> to life, the universe, and everything. But nobody knows what the real question is. Right? No one can remember what the real question is. <laughs> right? And uh, so they yeah. so they set a computer to uh, th- try to figure out what the question was, and he said it'd be ready in about like thirty million years or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
the I've seen something online where someone extrapolated how 42 was an actual meaningful answer mm-hmm. based on, you know, I don't know what it was based on. Actually, I can't remember if it was based on computer language or something, but I just thought, you know, there are people who say that that was actually a not just a random number that Douglas Adams chose, that it was mm. actually meaningful to him based on some kind of crazy science or whatever. I don't oh, know. Okay. Um, hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, we can we can maybe find yeah. a link. To, I read that. It's been a long time ago since I read that, but um, maybe I can find a link to it and put it on the Facebook page. I think that's um, a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, 42 has significance in the Lube TV universe, as you know, I think. Ooh, is that the first episode without John? That was the last episode with John, was episode ah, 42. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I don't, I'm sure you told me that before and I just had forgotten that. That's, that's just interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean granted that was yeah that was quite a few years ago now so right way more well, sometimes, more years than i care to remember yeah you know so, right yeah yeah sometimes things are just random but you know randomness has its own right kind of interesting quality to it yes i'm not much on well i don't know I'm you know not, i'm not super what do you call it superstitious no i understand you know i think human beings are subject to uh pareidolia which is to find patterns Ooh. in things when there really are no patterns. It's kind of like, you know, the, the woman who finds the image of Jesus in a tortilla and, and thinks that it's significant. Right. You know, that kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. Or, you know, I, yeah, I, th- things like, uh, you know, you've heard of the Bible code, you know, where there are hidden messages within the Bible. If you calculate certain numbers, you can pick out letters, you know, throughout the text and they they predict the future those kind of things it's that's that's a form right. of that's a form of pareidolia too finding patterns in things where really none exist right so i guess uh is it i almost said nosferatu nostradamus <laughs> is the leading proponent or uh, nostradamus uh fans are probably the leading proponents of that idea i guess i, I would say so right yeah, because yeah. people have said that you, you know, stuff that people find stuff in there all the time, and and that most of it really you could look at it and it would just be coincidence, or you know, you can make anything say anything you want it to say. I guess. Sure. Just ask the Republican Party. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like. But um. Yeah, it's like people, you know, people. F- taking photographs of of the forest and then picking out you know like 32 bigfoots in uh in that picture and it's all due to pareidolia because there's like oh that looks like a face that looks like a face that looks like a face you know it's like seeing the man in the moon or you know the rabbit pattern on the moon you know that's all pareidolia right right seeing stuff in clouds exactly people like to look at clouds and be like oh it's a bunny rabbit Look, it's Richard hey, Nixon. Th- <laughs> Richard Nixon in profile. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, we're all by the time this gets edited and and posted, we'll be pretty much right at our one year anniversary of doing the show. Uh, yeah, so, I think you're right. Yeah, definitely. That's exciting. It oh, is forty two episodes in a year. That's pretty damn good. I think. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, it's not quite one a week, but uh, it's close. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as we have kind of 
gone along here, we've pretty much done – it seems like it, right now we're in a rhythm of one every nine or ten days. So if we did 30 to 35 episodes in a year, mm-hmm. I would say that's that's – I don't know, not reasonable. But I would say oh, that's probably about what it's going to average out to be when all is said and done. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean we had a little – we That's had a little, yeah. We had a little bit of a hiatus right after the uh, presidential election, right? But, uh, you know, because we, I we lost my mind. Well, I mean, <laughs> can't can't say that I blame you in light of recent events, especially. I mean, but uh, yeah. yeah, I always love the. When somebody posts something on social media that's like that, where they're they seem uh, dumbfounded that things are going the way they are, and I'm like, really? You didn't see this coming? Are you? How dumb are you? It's like, have um, you have buddy. you been in a coma for the past several months? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's not talk about politics. No. Because, no. 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 Uh, there's yeah. there's a shitload of stuff to talk about. Exactly. We have way too many things to waste our pretty little minds on El Trumpo. Yeah. 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 And all the other idiots that got uh, this week has just been nuts. I oh, got to right. mention two things because okay. the guy in what what state was it? Montana that yeah. pushed a reporter out and then got elected. Yes. Oh, fuck people. I know. And then well, did you see this thing today? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the thing is, they they have early voting there, and like two thirds of people had already cast their ballots before uh, right. this event happened. So, you know, I think that the die was, was already funny. yeah the die was already cast. I think there may be quite a few people who are you know having buyer's remorse now. Right. But who I, knows? I heard that that um, supposedly citizens were calling, uh, and I don't know who they were calling, but trying to figure out if they could change their vote. Um, and, it's, and it's pretty much, nope, once you cast it mm-hmm. on you know, an early ballot, right. you, you're, you're locked in. Yeah, um, they could. Early voting is great, but. Uh-huh. But yeah, things like this could uh, mess things up. Well, they, you know, maybe they could have like a recall election, but I, I seriously doubt that will happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess that there could, they could, yeah, I guess they could recall him somehow, however they do that. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows how how things will end up, but mm-hmm. just a, just nutty. And then did you see this thing today where these teachers in a school near Houston um, gave out awards? Yeah. Did you see the story? I did see that story. It's like... What the fuck? Who 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 thought that was funny? Saying you know, yeah, most giving an award for most likely to be become a terrorist. Yes, to to seventh graders, to to twelve right. and thirteen year old kids. Right. And and I get it. I get that probably they've done this for a few years. Probably it's always been kind of a joke thing. And sure, I, things could be. You know, kids could, you know, you could do kid most likely to wear a blue shirt every day or, you know, it could be funny and fun for the kids. Yeah, I mean, that's but, that's quite a bit different. But, you know, right after the yeah. the Manchester attack, yes, very tone deaf. And then they gave one to another kid that was most likely to be homeless. And the other one uh. was was equally r- rude, mm-hmm. uh, most likely to. Oh, I can't remember now what it was, but I was just like. I mean, how stupid! These are the people educating our children. This is yeah. ridiculous. Who, That's if you're horrifying. that stupid, find mm-hmm. another line of work. Yeah, uh, and, I, yeah, I, I just was, can't believe it. Right, and that was here in Texas, wasn't it? Yeah, close to Houston, some little suburb of Houston. I can't remember the name of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, 
start with a W, but yeah, I was just like, I mean, it, 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 it's not brain surgery to realize, I can't believe there were three teachers and not one of them said, maybe we shouldn't do that. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know? That, I mean, that should have been a no-brainer. I mean, why? Why? Right. And I was talking to one of my coworkers today, we were talking about it, and, and we were both saying, you know, I'm. I know that the world has gotten overly PC, and mm-hmm. I agree that we need to relax a little bit on PC stuff. And you know, um, right. I, I agree with all that, and it's frustrating because uh, you know conservatives and liberals have different ideas about this, and I'm in the middle sure. on it. I think a lot of people are. It's just a common sense kind of a thing. Liberals, I agree that liberals get caught up in it a little too much, and sometimes. It, they they cross the line with it or they they go overboard with it right. um just as uh conservatives are the opposite but you know but so i get that yeah yeah this but, is this is this is so far over the line it's not even worth exactly you know, it's not even you can't make that comparison uh, right. I, it's not that that we live in a world where we need to be pc i, I you know I have mixed feelings about that myself, but sure. But the this is just an, in my opinion, this is just a no brainer. Yeah, this that's just these are not things you joke with seventh graders about. No, that's that's beyond the pale. I mean, and anyway, I mean, as far as being PC goes, I mean, nobody gets arrested for being unPC. They just pay a social price for being unPC. So. You know, well, that's true. I'm not really sure what the big hubbub is about, you know, being PC. But, you know, right. I, I mean, granted, some people go over the top, but everybody has an opinion about everything. So, you know, it's just right. a, it's just well, another um, opinion somebody has. Right. And we so. live in a society where opinion, you kind of broadcast your opinions on social media now. So right. things that you used to have to put on a bumper sticker <laughs> or, um, or sew into a... Um, what do they call not a like a sampler now or put on a pillowcase now uh, you can just post it on social media well it takes exactly no t- time at all right in some countries being un pc is illegal it's like if you you know claim to be a neo nazi or start a neo nazi group in germany you can be arrested just for doing that here in the united states right. you can do that you do pay a social price for that as far as people, you know, uh, condemning you and stuff, but nobody gets arrested for that unless they do something actually illegal. But I mean, you know, there, right. there's still freedom of speech. But this uh, week, right, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. But I mean, it's it's like, uh, you know, in in natural discourse in a job interview or on a date. If you claim that, you know, Elvis is still alive and walking around, you're immediately going to pay a social <laughs> price for that opinion, you know? True that. That's okay. a very good that's a very good um example. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. we we all, you know, yeah. If you I, you know, it's great. We live in a country where you can say what you want for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um but you're going to be judged by what you say. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Right. And I'm judging these three teachers as idiots. I can't believe they're 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 what we have to educate children in this world. It's that's a sad sad day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should we um should we start the show? Yeah, I think we should. We've already done we? 20 minutes of pre-show, so it's probably a good oh, wow. idea. See? Mhm. 
I'll start the show, and then I say we go right into Twin Peaks. Oh, really? Okay. Unless there's something you would like to do. No, that sounds good to me, because for all we know, it may consume the entire show. (laughs) It's going to be... It may... The entire four hours. (laughs) Right? Right. We'll have to see. Okay. All right. So let's do the intro here. You got a drink? You ready to go? You need to go pee or anything? No, I think I'm good. You know what? Let me me get a little water. I I just drank some coffee, and my mouth is a little weird. So, All right. Girl from Ipanema. The girl from Ipanema. She goes to Greenland. I would love to hear the B-52s do that in concert. That would be amazing. Oh, we got to talk about the B-52s concert, too. So much to talk about, you guys. When Mark gets back, <laughs> we're going to tell you all about the B-52 shows. Oh, okay. I was having a little conversation with the listeners while you were gone. Oh, okay. You didn't do uh, the girl from Ipanema that goes to Greenland? <laughs> I did okay. sing that. I, oh, okay. Well, I sang one that line. Anyway. All right. Good, good. It's hard for me. I did pretty good considering, you know, that's a song that Cindy sings, I think. And uh, she can hit some pretty dang high notes. Yes, sir. <sighs> ah, okay. All Are right. you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to do the intro. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, we got to talk about the B-52s and Twin Peaks. That's two hours right there. Yeah, I know. Hmm. All right. Three, two, one. podcast weird from the live music capital of the world austin texas the city that brought you amy's ice cream the octopus project mike judge madeline murray o'hare boy dog pondering and rick linklater oh and the world's largest population of mexican free-tailed bats i almost forgot that it's a slippery slope the podcast with those dazed and confused slackers mark browner and lodger that's us that's us, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How you doing? All right. I'm, I'm doing, actually, mm-hmm. not to go off on another slippery slope. It's okay. But um, right before the show, I was watching, there's a new show on the Disney Channel. Oh, God no. help me. And it's called Andy Mack. And it's about this this little girl who what's what's cool about it i won't go too far into this but what's cool about this show is it has a little asian american girl is hmm. the main character yeah and in the first episode she lives with her mom and dad her mom's asian her dad's white and she and the the her older sister comes to visit and she finds out her older sister is really her mom which is pretty, pretty daring for a for a disney channel hmm. show and so um, that's kind of the setup, and it's just a. She's the girl that plays Andy Mac is just adorable. She's just a little cutie. She kind of reminds me of my niece a little bit, and she, uh, and she has this these friends, and she's kind of she's no she's not you know they're not super popular. They're kind of on the outside, and she has a crush on the the popular boy in, in their class, of course, and it's just a 
cute little show. And hmm. um, like her little friend is like he also kind of idolizes the boy she has a crush on. And so her, so although, the, you know, he doesn't say he's gay or it's not they're not saying he's gay, but mm-hmm. he kind of idolizes this other boy. And he's a little bit effeminate. And, you know, he, I think, he, you know, he's one of those. It's like a kid is like, yeah, he doesn't know he's gay yet. He will eventually. But um, <laughs> okay. it's just a, a really it's a really cute show. It's 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 got everything you want from a Disney Channel show. It's it, you know, it's it's got hmm. um, uh, little jokes and the characters are cute and it's got good messages for kids and stuff. And it just makes me happy. It's just I was watching it. I was like, why do I like this show? And I I laughed at a few of the things and stuff. And I realized it's just innocent, sweet comedy. Uh, and it's just cute and okay. it just makes me happy. There's no big there's no big drama. There's no hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a cute little show that makes me happy. Okay. Now, does I don't it... know why we Oh, so that's how I'm feeling. So I'm feeling happy. <laughs> okay. Because I watched Andy Matt. Well, that's good. Now, <laughs> does it does it have anything to do with uh, mortgage banking? <laughs> no. Well, you not sa- a damn thing. You said it's called uh-huh. I- Andy Mac. No, no, Andy. Oh, Andy Mac. Oh, okay. okay. Andy Mac. So yeah. it has nothing Andy. to do with mortgage banking. It's just not a, a cute damn li- thing. <laughs> okay, I'm just being an ass. But, uh, I know you're funny. Yeah, but okay. But yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I like it because you know it's like oh, she likes the mm-hmm. she likes the cute popular boy, and the cute popular boy is nice, and he talks to her, and they're friends. It's you know, there's no drama. There's no. I mean, although there's drama in it, actually, it's not overblown manufactured drama it's like Mm, she has mm -hmm. a crush on this boy and they're friends and he it's not like he treats her like crap or he's this popular boy who won't give her the time of day he's this nice kid that you know they're friends and they talk and but she has a secret crush on him and then i think her best male friend has a secret crush on him too but Mm, um -hmm. but it's just a you know and then it's like so then she finds out her sister her old who the person she thought was her older sister was her mom and the woman who wrote this sitcom said she based that on a story of of um, Jack Nicholson, who found out when he was an uh, I think when he was an adult that the person he thought was his older sister was his mom. Huh. His mom. Yeah, his I think I remember mom. hearing that story about Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. All so, right. And I think that's happened a lot in a lot of families. I think that has happened. Uh, not a lot, maybe, but I think that's not that uncommon. Where <laughs> a, a young person has a child and the and the grandparents raise it as their child, yeah. you know, because of the way circumstances are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like when she finds out it's her mom, she's not devastated or it's not any big, you know, crazy thing. It's just an adjustment for her to realize, Oh, this is my mom. And, and my mom's going to come in and have more to do with my life now. And, yeah. and then she finds out who her dad is and her dad's kind of this cool a groovy guy and and so instead of having the guy who wants to be your dad the guy who is her biological dad be a guy who doesn't want to have anything to do with her instead he's he's all of a sudden in uh, wants to be with her 24 7 and that causes conflict because hmm. he, he he's just on her all the time and she wants to have a you know she's like i need a break okay so it's like, interesting it's just real you know yeah it's just real cute it doesn't manufacture any crazy drama it's just uh, light and breezy, and I was just like, "Oh, this is just a fun, light, breezy show that makes me happy." Okay, well, <laughs> not like Twin pretty... Peaks. Well, no, <laughs> Twin Peaks is the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not 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 very light and breezy. That's for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. hmm. but 
Anyway. <laughs> Should, are, do we need to cue the Twin Peaks music? Or I think so, yeah. Do you have one more thing? Okay, let's cue that Twin no, Peaks music. <laughs> so, like, I'm just going to let it play while I talk. So, uh, right. So, like, I'm at my nephew's, and, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we talked about this on the show before. I was like, oh, how am I going to watch this on showtime yes and and uh my nephew lives he has a roommate who's a female um we were just you know she's super nice i like her a lot we were just hanging out talking watching tv and we were talking about twin peaks and i was like i don't know how i'm gonna watch it and she's like you have amazon prime don't you and i'm like yeah i do she's like just go on amazon you can you can subscribe to showtime for a few dollars a month and you can watch it on your Amazon Prime. Wow. I'm like, no way. And so sure enough, I got on Amazon Prime. I signed up for Showtime and we were watching it on his Roku in like five minutes. Excellent. I mean, no time at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so, I'm glad to hear and that. So then, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was on, uh, I guess, Sunday night is when. So, because um, yes. it was right around the time it premiered on Showtime. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, and of course, then we get on there and a friend of mine, Chuck Norfolk, in fact, who's uh, a friend of mine that we've talked about on the show before, had posted on uh, Facebook that he was like, can't wait to get home and see all four episodes of the new Twin Peaks. And I'm like, mm-hmm. four episodes. <laughs> and then right. sure enough, online, when I signed up, four episodes. And I was like, oh, what the hell, man? Well, so then true. I texted you mm-hmm. and said. And said, are you going to be able to see all four episodes? Yeah. And I think you said you got on Apple TV. Right. Well, it, at first, you know, we had just watched it on Showtime on UVerse and uh, saw the first two episodes. And at the end of the second episode, it said there are two more episodes available online on the Showtime app. And I'm like, oh, OK. And then after you texted me, I'm like, well, hell, I I should definitely watch the episode three and four and so i just loaded the showtime app onto our apple tv here and watched yeah episode three and four so it was oh, cool. uh, a long night of twin peaks but it, but but <laughs> yes it was but it went by so quickly each episode it was like they're rolling credits already and then well i i agree with you it did mm-hmm. i was surprised at how quickly um it went it went by um right and i loved Excuse me. I loved how with episode two, mm-hmm. they, they started ending each episode with a band playing at the Bang Bang Club. Absolutely. I thought it was a great I, addition. And it's kind of still in that I, tradition of, you know, Julie Cruz singing at the, the Bang Bang Bar. Uh, except yeah. now it's a different band every episode. How yeah, cool is which that? Is totally cool. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I, the first band I actually got online and downloaded uh, mm. the first mm-hmm. uh, song uh, by a, a band called the Chromatics, and the song is called Shadows. And and I've listened to it about ten times since then. It's a really great song and just so Twin Peaksian. You know, yeah. it's so. Very Julie Cruz-ish, but Absolutely. also very yeah. modern and, and you you know, uh, such a great song. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, that that I thought was really cool. But yeah. you get to the second episode and then so you know the episode's ending when they go to the Bang Bang Club. Right. Because presumably that uh-huh. will go on for a while now. Maybe, you know, Lynch, it could or could not happen every episode. Who knows? Well, that's true. Of course, I guess. Uh, I mean, it certainly didn't. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no, didn't was, happen at the end of the first episode. 
No, that's true. But did they go to the... When was it that they, they showed uh, Madchen, Amick, and uh, uh, the James Hurley character at the Bang Bang That was Club? right. At, that's the end of episode two when, okay. when chrom- chromatics play. Yeah. All right. All right. Makes you wonder... So, yeah, are some of these characters just going to do cameos like that, or are we going to see more of them? I wonder. Right. Yeah, I wonder too, because, well, we'll get to that, but there was interesting things mm-hmm. that happened in that scene. Um, and then in in episode three and f- or maybe four, where you wonder uh, what they're talking, what they're talking about. But let's get to let's do episode one. Right. You know, I'm very like anal and chronological. I have no, to that's do fine. one chunk at a time I, if, or my mind can't handle it. I agree because there's there's so much to <laughs> absorb and it's probably better to compartmentalize episodes. Other Otherwise, it just all runs together and then you, you feel overwhelmed mentally. <laughs> I know I was. I had to right, watch. right, because there is a lot going on. Yeah, I, I watched every episode twice, and you know you pick up new things every time you watch it. Or oh, you, really? Or after you know after first watching, you may miss some things or things didn't quite stick in your head, you know. And then you, the second time around, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's you know that kind of a situation. So anyway, well, I did that. With the end of episode four, because I got a little, I, I, I by that point I think I was getting kind of tired, and you know mm-hmm. it had been four hours of, two, of the new show, and right. so I had to go back. There's a conversation between um, um, uh, Gordon Cole, the played by Lynch, and um, Miguel right. Ferrar's Albert, uh-huh. that I was like, wait a minute, what did they talk about in that episode, in that conversation? I want to go back and listen to that again. Mm-hmm. So I did rewatch mm-hmm. that scene I, I have to tell you man before we <laughs> go episode by episode right that um and i know you've seen some of this criticism online i don't know if you share it okay but there were a couple there were some things i really did not like and there were some places where this where this new series you mm-hmm. know they've given lynch uh free range to do what he wants yeah and and there are a couple of things that I'm just like, oh my god, this is excruciatingly long and boring. Okay. Um, All the scenes that have Hawk and Andy and the Kimmy, secretary. Kimmy Robertson is the actress. Yeah, the, Lucy. Lucy, right? I think those are. Those didn't bother me. Oh really? Okay. All right. All right. Fair <laughs> but, enough. But the the scene again. Here we are rifling around the scene Mm. when and that's okay when when lucy and andy in episode one they say they have a son Mm -hmm. i knew immediately it was going to be michael Sarah. i just knew boom that's michael Sarah. i bet you anything and sure enough that's who it was yeah and that scene with michael Sarah, where he's doing brando is Mm -hmm. the most long boring excruciatingly bad scene in a lynch thing i've ever seen i I just i agree a hundred percent you know, at first, I mean, at first I found it mildly amusing, but then it just went on and on and on. And it's like, why? Why is this even here? And, and Michael Sarah is only in this one episode, and that's it. Oh, you know that for a fact? Uh, I think I looked at the um, uh, Internet Movie Database and it just said one episode. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's possible they don't know which episodes he's in yet, but who knows? Um, well, uh, maybe. Yeah, I was just like. Uh, and personally, I'm glad if it's just that one episode. Uh-huh. You know, Lynch Lynch has an odd sense of humor, and and sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's not. And that scene is a is a, a perfect example of when his sense of humor is not is not 
is way off the rest of the human race. Yes. I bet Lynch laughed his ass off <laughs> he must every have. second of that scene <laughs> where the rest of us just want to pull our hair out and go, oh, Jesus Christ, get on with it. Uh-huh. Um, I think he likes to see, you know, I think that's part of his humor is how long can I extend this one joke until mm. it mm-hmm. just becomes so tired that everyone else has given up on it but me. Maybe. Um, it was like, well, I guess, yeah, if Andy and Lucy had a kid, he definitely would be weird. But, you know, taking on the Marlon Brando persona. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and I think, too, I mean, who knows with Lynch? Maybe that will come back to mean something at some point. You never know. Uh, Maybe. But there there are times where Lynch is guilty of what his his imitators are guilty of, which is Mm -hmm. just being weird for the sake of weird. And Lynch doesn't do it very often. Usually his weirdness Uh is interesting or or ties into something or creates a mood or a theme. But that scene to me was just Lynch being weird for the sake of weirdness with it. It has no meaning with the rest of the, you know, with with the rest of what's going on. I'm just I'm just going to blame. I'm just going to blame it on Mark Frost. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's Mark Frost that yeah. in my own mind I'm just you know I just have to rationalize by saying oh it was that was a Mark Frost written scene that's that's what it is yeah yeah I, so I don't I know I think it's all okay whatever you have to do <laughs> no I don't know I'm well, just I'm kidding but I yeah, will I was, say um the two other scenes or mm-hmm. segments or or ideas that infuriated me and just drove me nuts mm-hmm. the whole thing in episode 1 with the guy watching the the glass case okay went on forever and 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 again who knows that could be totally that could totally mean something in in the future or not okay well yeah i guess that was long he's just sitting there staring at the box and changing out the uh, uh sd memory cards whenever an alarm goes off and meeting his love interest the coffee girl ultimately and so right, yeah. I mean, that and is, some sort of demon that, or something just happens to show up right at that minute and kill uh, them both. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it was it, it was turning into a, a predictable uh, porn scene for a moment there, and then all of a sudden they're dead. Right, Lynch is. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing with the Lynch is he he has a preoccupation with pretty girls. Oh my and, goodness! And yeah, I that's th- patently obvious. I thought that was really funny. I think it's in episode three where Lynch goes into the FBI director's Lynch's character. Gordon Cole goes into the FBI director's office. Yes. The FBI director now played by David Duchovny. Right. Denise. Uh, as Denise mm-hmm. in drag. Right. And, and Duchovny's Denise says, you know, Gordon, I know you. I know how you are. You're taking this young woman on the case with you because she's a young, pretty girl. And um, <laughs> right. I was like, wow, that's that's Lynch. You know, that's like a inside joke on Lynch that he played on himself there or something. Yeah, that's um, true. I thought that was really clever and funny. Yeah, he's, um, he's being self-aware there for sure uh, with yeah. writing that dialogue. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I found that really amusing. And I don't mind. I really... You know, if I certainly if I was a director, there would be pretty boys in every movie I made. <laughs> right. Um, just standing around doing nothing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, so I mean, I can uh-huh. go ahead. Well, he was definitely obsessed with nudity. I mean, you know, going back to, I guess it was episode three when uh, uh, Dougie Jones' character, you know, when we first see him, he's got uh, uh, a naked hooker in bed with him. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of. Uh, I mean, say. 
Yeah, same thing with um, uh, with this girl who comes in and and uh, goes into the room with the guy watching the glass case. Yeah, I mean, and and that glass case may become something more, or it may not. I mean, there was definitely a scene later in episode mm-hmm. two or three where yeah. you see that. Um, when Good Cooper is falling from the Black Lodge through space, yeah. he goes to that. He's in that black that glass case for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the guy, while no one's watching the box, the guy is right. out talking to the girl in yeah, the lobby. It was like I mean, right before the uh, the the weird creature appears in there. So that's strange. It was like, yeah, Cooper's right. looks like he's materializing and going to be back in this world. And all of a sudden, you know, he starts popping back, 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 back and, you know, disappears. So yeah, that was right. Weird. And then, yeah, then I guess just minutes later, the uh, guy and the girl are back in there and they're about to have sex. And yeah, the, the cloud creature or whatever the hell that, white white alien looking thing is that materialized in the box comes out and starts wailing on their asses and i don't know pops their head he he polishes their heads and and pops the tops of their heads off and there's no brains (laughs) in there anymore so yeah it was weird well and uh, we'll talk about when cooper appears in a second i just want to mention the other thing that drove me crazy Mm -hmm. the thing that made you know because when all was said and done here you know i wasn't there was a lot of wasted time in my opinion that was just not amusing not funny the whole thing with uh, uh, the good cooper now now in the guise of dougie mm-hmm. in the casino hitting jackpots oh, went yeah. on for fucking ever it did and i just i hated every goddamn and not only that well, it was amusing it, it's been done before yeah it was it's amusing at done. first sure he he was the character of uh you've seen the movie being there he reminded completely yeah. of uh Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey Gardner and being there is exactly what I was thinking of the whole time that he's in that casino, you know. And not to go off on a slippery slope, but I have seen – I didn't see being there until about a year ago. Ah, um, And people have raved about that movie, and I was bored to tears with it. I was like, this is not – I don't get – Well, that explains why you hated the Cooper in the casino scene then. I mean, the the thing with Cooper, one, knowing where to go for the jackpot's been done. And then the thing where he just echoes Mm -hmm. the last thing said to him, oh, my God, how many fucking times have we seen that in something? It just made – me i mean i just i it was infuriating to me i was there's another one of those things where it's like okay they've given lynch a free hand and yeah. now we're all suffering for right. it right <laughs> well you, you you know what you should have done while you were watching that scene uh no call for help <laughs> <laughs> there was no one to call no that was uh it was, oh. it was definitely a catch-all phrase yes oh. call for help Yes. Hello. Right. <laughs> over and over and over again. It was like, yeah. yeah. Just, just drove that. Just that. Those three. Those three scenes. The, the Cooper in the casino. Mm-hmm. The glass box, and then uh, I've already forgotten what the other one I hated was. But just like, oh my god, I, you know, well, oh, the the Michael Sarah scene. I just like, yeah. oh, you know. But in uh, in this is Lynch being Lynch. I just gotta let it go. In in Cooper's. Defense, Fence, though, just repeating, you know, just walking around like Chauncey Gardner and repeating the last three words that someone says to him. 
You try being sucked through an electrical socket and not having brain damage. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. This the electrical socket on that too, going through space forever and in that box with the Asian girl with with uh, no eyes, flesh over her eyes. Right. And I weird. know you had mentioned mm-hmm. you had mentioned I saw you post on Facebook um, because that scene also reminded me of early Lynch. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, very much almost uh, uh, so reminiscent of early things he did, although yeah, this was, you know, you can tell that's the same artist. The same guy that did Six Men Getting Sick and the Grandma mm-hmm. is, is, uh, is the evolved into the same guy that did that scene where he's with that girl and their or that woman, that Asian woman, and they're talking and it's all jittery and shaky yeah and, and goes back and forth and yes it's like oh my god this is the this is the same guy we we recognize even though it's mm-hmm. been 30 40 years this is the same artist right um he and was, that is a cool thing to see yeah he was grabbing back into his past and and bringing it into you know his current work and so, yeah, that was cool. I, I I particularly liked the fact that he was kind of being self-referential, you know, pulling back from his early career and, uh, you know, bringing it in a modern technology way. Right, yeah, and, that uh, same... That mm-hmm. same artistic touch that yeah. I, again, I got I got somewhat bored with it with the Asian woman and the and the and the way that it kind of glitched or however you you know whatever you want to call that technique that he used to yeah. to glitch his way through that scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did get a little boring to me, but at least it yeah. was unique and Lynchian and and right. um, you know you wanted to see where that was going. So th- that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I think w- when we talk about Lynch being self referential i think my favorite thing in that kind of uh idea was the thing when we see james hurley in the bang bang club yeah and then all of a sudden you see balthazar getty who was the character that that bill pullman became when he was in jail in lost highway um what's that what's the movie lost Lost highway Highway. yeah absolutely yeah so yeah and i wasn't sure Mm -hmm. Was it Balthazar Getty was the one who who pointed his finger at Shelley? Yes. He was sitting at it's the like bar. It's like they show James. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and okay. so at first I thought, oh, I thought, oh, are they saying that when everyone else sees James as we see James, she's seeing him as Balthazar Getty? And I, I had to go – that's another scene I, I went so. back and rewatched. Well, yeah. that yeah, yeah. When I went back and rewatched it, and I played close attention, and James um, is wearing a different jacket than mm-hmm. Balthazar Getty. So yeah. I, you know, I, I plus, don't know. Again, well, James is, is James is standing, you know, in the crowd, whereas Balthazar Getty is is sitting at the bar. Right. But I, yeah, I think that was Lynch again. I think that was a Lynch joke on his own ovure or what? How do you say mm. that word? Ovure? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh huh. Well, close enough for for <laughs> two guys from Texas. Right. I think it was Lynch <laughs> making a joke about his own cinematic history. But then again, maybe Balthazar Getty will 
yeah be a character that becomes important later on we don't know maybe yeah it's just yeah uh, looking at the 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 cast list on imdb like i said it's you you see the number of episodes that that every character is in i mean you know uh kyle mclaughlin it says you know 18 episodes and you know it goes down by number of episodes people are in the the show and there's there's a whole lot of them that people are just like in one episode uh and i don't think it's right tied, it's not tied to uh which shows have been released or not i don't believe it really is just a total episode count because i mean all the episodes have been uh made already we just haven't seen them yet right so, um, but then who knows who who put that i don't know how stuff gets put up on imdb that could be somebody's guesstimate um maybe i you think know certain, i mean we're yeah that's true but i think certain things that are on imdb are actually put up by publicity people attached to imdb but then you get into you know uh synopsis and things i i know that's user input and um right usually and then you know obviously criticisms are our user input and input from you know newspaper so, critics and things let me like ask that you this. So, uh-huh go ahead let me ask you this because uh because i haven't looked at the imdb imdb page and i don't want to but okay you said kyle mclaughlin said 18 episodes and some other people said one episode mm-hmm. were there people that said six episodes seven episodes yeah there were some people that said like 12 episodes and you know it, it would okay. it was going down well, in that in decreasing order of uh you know number of episodes people were in so I'm, you know, I'm going to so go on the it, assumption. It definitely that that's the said, case. it definitely said Balthazar Getty one episode. Uh, I'm not sure about Balthazar Getty necessarily. Um, okay. I'm trying to, I'm going to pull up the, uh, the cast. I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> I'd rather not know, but I guess our, uh, you know, what, if it's helpful to you well no that's fine uh, yeah no i just i just wanted to make that point i i'm not that interested in going down the list and saying how many episodes everybody was in necessarily because i like the surprise of it yeah sure i mean i like the idea that that could just been a lynch joke or that could have been or the or balthazar getty's could come back at another episode and be relevant somehow yeah um it could happen i mean you know there may be a uh you know a whole arc of balthazar getty and you know uh madchen amek uh getting together you know Uh, right yeah yeah. you don't know i mean they were making they were making googly eyes at each other in the in the club so hey certainly were yeah so i um so um on episode one um, I I liked how it started with the giant. Yes. Wow. And and there were um and the giant said three things. Some cryptic ahead, shit. Yeah, some cryptic shit. Yeah. He said, "Remember four thirty. Yeah, four four, four three zero. <laughs> remember four three zero. Yeah. He said something about Richard and Linda." Two birds with and one stone, yeah. Two birds with one stone, yeah. Which mm. none of that seems to be relevant yeah. to anything that's happened yet. Right. I, I'm like, who the hell's Richard and Linda? And I'm right, know, yeah. beat, beating my mind saying, Richard and Linda. It was like drawing a blank, drawing a blank. Yeah, There's, I don't think there's uh, any characters with those names that we've seen yet. Right. Um so that, but it could be wrong. Well, that's to be revealed. I mean, everything he said is was very cryptic. So yeah, we we I don't think we should be able to uh, understand what it means just yet. Uh, right. You remember the other time that the giant appeared to Cooper in the original series when right after Cooper had been shot, 
and the giant appeared to him and said all kind of cryptic shit that wasn't understandable or revealed until, you know, five or six episodes later. So, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the funny thing was that so, after the giant said all that, Cooper says, I understand. I was like, right. <laughs> okay. I was like, well, all right, we sure don't. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the only... I thought it was interesting because in that episode, too, there was a whole scene with Lucy where she's talking about how there's two Sheriff Trumans. Which Sheriff Truman do you want? Yes. And um, we we came to find out what that meant mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the scene with Michael Sarah. And um, yes. then we found out from the log lady that Cooper hasn't been seen for 25 years. Yeah. So although although that became important, although that was mentioned many more times after that, that was the first time that True. we learned that in this 25 years that's been going on, no one has seen Cooper. And then we also found out that there the bad Cooper's been on the earth for 25 years, exactly. while good Cooper's been in the in Black the Lodge. red room, the Black, the Black Lodge, Lodge, yeah, for those same 25 years doing what right who knows what sitting on sitting in a chair and drinking coffee i guess right waiting in limbo yeah um now did you hang on for a second one thing disappointing to me there's no man from another place the dwarf uh, what was, what's well, that's his name? episode two, Michael, Michael J. Anderson. That's Mike, episode oh, two. Okay, I'm jumping the gun a little I'm, bit. I, I got that on my list for episode two, yep. Just to get – so uh, referring back now a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. episode one with Bad Cooper, what right. do you think of Bad Cooper? He was a bad, bad man. I mean, he's so – that character is so unlike the character of of what we expect from Dale Cooper. Yeah. Uh, that I I got to give uh, Kyle McLaughlin some props because Oh yeah. That's mm-hmm. that that's just, you know, that's the two spectrums right there and he pulls it off brilliantly, I think. You oh. think of those as two separate people. Yeah, he's so completely different. He's as bad or worse than Bob ever was. So that's for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it, and you, I, you know, I don't think of him as Cooper at all. I think of him as a completely different guy, right? Even though his name is Cooper. Yeah, he's been very, um, very busy the last twenty-five years. Seems yes, uh, he has. He's definitely amassed a great fortune. It seems through trafficking and cocaine, guns, extortion, framing people for murder. Uh, like the yeah, yeah, the guy who. The school principal who apparently, well, for all evidence suggests that he murdered uh, the librarian, but obviously evil doppelganger Cooper had something to do with it. He was in collusion with uh, the wife of the principal, and uh, that was kind of shocking at the... Am I traveling into uh, episode two territory now? Well, we're getting there. We're getting there, yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, he's been very busy. Very busy indeed. And, uh, yeah. Well, I thought it was. Um, I mean, I just, I, you know, again, Lynch being Lynch, he took his time with Bad Cooper going to get um, mm-hmm. uh, Ray and Daria. And, yes. And then there was that, you know, that was an odd place with odd people, and you just knew immediately something's fucked up here. And, um, <laughs> right. You know, and I thought that was a great um, opening for for Bad Cooper because. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of that stuff probably doesn't mean much, it was it was just interesting and weird and uh, creepy, you know. Yeah, he's associated <laughs> himself with yeah uh, people 
who are, yeah, extremely strange and uh, living in the, the part of the dark underbelly of the world, to be sure. Yeah, so. yeah. You got you got that right away that this was, yeah. Um, and um, so then the guy playing the principal is Matthew Lillard, who mm-hmm. uh, has been in, you know, I'm sure you recognized him. Um, yes. And, and so great to see him in fucking uh, Lynchland. Um, <laughs> right. I really thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and just one of the th- so the the woman who who gets killed is named Ruth Davenport. She's the librarian, like you said. Yes. And I thought that was also interesting, where uh, they see her in bed, the 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 covers are up to her neck, and then when they pull mm-hmm. the covers down, it's just her head there, yeah. and some other body, maybe some other person's body or something. Yeah, it appeared um, to be a much could have been even a man's body for all you know. We couldn't really tell, right? But it appeared to be a man's exactly. body because it was very. It, it appeared to be very hairy. So, who is this dead man's body? You know, that's in, yeah. What in bed what the with? Fuck yeah. is going on there? Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, and then the only other thing about episode one I wanted to talk about real quickly was, um, you know, yeah. since they filmed these episodes, mm-hmm. um, several people who are in them have have died. Miguel Ferrar and um, I can't think who else. Catherine Coulson. Except for, Catherine Coulson. That's the one I was. Yeah. yeah, that's the one I wanted to ask about because she's the log lady. Mm-hmm. And when you see her in episode one, yeah. she looks very ill. But of course, right. Lynch is very good about mixing reality with with Lynchianisms. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was just so good to see her. And, I, you know, who we all love the character of the log lady. That's right. That is Twin Peaks as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I'm so glad it, that she was able to uh, reprise her role. Uh, before her death so it was it was yeah me too definitely a welcome it's kind of sad that yeah sad that there won't be more of her uh, although there may be some more in in this season but definitely if there's some sort of second season Mm -hmm. um there there won't be more of her um but who knows what lynch would do with that i mean anyone could could uh pick up the log and speak to it there or hear it as she did so well um, true maybe yeah you know, um, so but it was just good to see her. Uh, I you know she didn't look very good, but I you know no. who you know Catherine Coulson was a really interesting person, and yeah. I think she would be uh, one who would if she was really on oxygen or if her hair was really that mm-hmm. uh, um, thinning. I think she would be one who would say let's accentuate this and make it you know even more oh. Lynchian and right. And so I think over she, the top. Mm-hmm. She really worked with him, yeah, to yeah. to do that. Um, but probably somewhat based in what was going on in her real life. So yeah, I mean, it, uh, and it looked like they they obviously shot her scenes separately and maybe you know all together in a day or two to uh, tax her a little less because I'm sure she was very ill at that time. So, right, yeah. so it seems, but it was a good addition. Just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great to see her, and, and hopefully there'll be more of her as the episodes go on. Uh, it would be great if there was a little more to her to her appearances. So. Well, I hope so. We shall see. So so episode two, you were mentioning that um, Bad Cooper mm. is in cahoots with the principal's wife. Right. And I, 
I loved how he said to her something like, you follow human nature well or something mm-hmm. um, like like he had used her, but he knew what she would do based on her on her. The person she was, I guess. Right now, what's what we don't understand is, you know, to what end, you know, was Cooper involved with this or is. He just, you know, the I mean, bad Cooper is involved with this. I mean, to to what end? How does it help him? Right. Because as he because said, also he doesn't need anything. He just right. wants things. Why did right. he want yeah. to help in this framing of this principle for the murder of the librarian? Doesn't right? Yeah. Unless you know that's he does it for pleasure or for money or who knows? I don't know. We don't know to see yet. Yeah. Is it maybe he's like, a, I don't know what what the name of the, you know, some kind of evil spirit that uh, tempts and prompts people to do evil things just for the pure joy of causing chaos and evil. You know, I'm, I'm sure there is some ancient name for like a sprite or an imp that, you yeah. know. Could causes be. trouble just for the sake of causing trouble. Maybe that's part of it, or to see what he can get away with, or whatever. Because obviously, the the principal is possessed by whatever evil spirit, the the spirit of Bob, mm-hmm. that makes people do things that they don't remember doing. Right. Yeah. Because the principal, when he was in the um, uh, the jail cell, he was acting a whole lot like Leland Palmer in the way he's like freaking out over. You know, starting to realize maybe what he may or may not have done, you know, because right, at, yeah. at, at some point he even says, you know, I, I, I dreamed that I was at her place, you know. So it's like yeah, he's, yeah. he doesn't quite know or our or memories are slowly coming back of what actually happened. So it's very much a parallel with uh, Leland Palmer and, you know, realizing that he, you know, killed his own daughter kind of situation right, right. So, mm-hmm. that that you know that man possessed by an evil demon which right. you know we still don't know he has been that that demon has been shown to us as as bob yeah manifested as bob but it's is bob possessing these people or is he you know is it bob using someone else's body we don't you know we still don't know exactly what is the nature of bob where is well, who is bob true. and where does bob come from right you know it's like the bo- um, the body of bob could have just been a vehicle for evil entity you know that i think at the end of uh you know the the original series. You know, just manifesting as as an owl flying off kind of deal. So right, you know, it, right, because uh, the owls are not what they seem. Exactly. Um, yeah, you know, I've been reading Laura, the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer again. Yes, and um, there's a there's a couple of times there she mentions. I can't remember exactly what's going on, but there's a couple times. I think it's like the first time she kisses Bobby Briggs or something. They're out in the woods, and there's an owl sitting overhead watching them. And um, I just, mm-hmm. you know, the owls, and it's such a cool kind of metaphor or whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, with the owls are not what they seem. I, every time owls are involved, um, it's just uh, really interesting. And, and you, you know, it's like, you know, witches used to have their cats there that were their familiars. Right. Um, and and it's like, are the owls the familiar, the familiars of these devil 
or are they the familiars of the good and the devil people or whatever, mm-hmm. the good and the evil people? Right. Um, anyway. Or are these, is it more along the lines of the, you know, the Major Briggs thing? Are these aliens that have come to Earth, you know, and there there are accounts of people who claim to be abducted by aliens who don't actually see the aliens, but they see them as a, a large bird or an owl or a cat or something, you know, so I, right. I, I don't know how, you know. What where Lynch is grabbing you know this these these images from but uh, yeah right it's, it's very interesting but uh, it is yeah. and I wonder yeah who knows eighteen episodes from now or I guess fourteen episodes from now we mm-hmm. still may not know you know it well, still may not be re- I right. don't think it's going to be revealed to us as oh here's the total explanation of no. <laughs> who Bob is and where Bob comes from and what Bob represents it's always going to be yeah um, creepy mystery I think yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. So now, well, what I'm interested in is this um, evil doppelganger Cooper. How is he? And I may be jumping the gun. How has he gained the ability to create a decoy doppelganger? Right. I mean, that was just kind of hinted at. I mean, wasn't mm -hmm. even really hinted at, I guess. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he, he had kind of hinted at. I guess in episode two that time was running short, but he had a plan to take care of that. Right, right. Yeah. But so, I, yeah. Hmm. So because someone, Coop, the good Cooper had to leave. Yeah. And it's like, who's controlling all of that, too? Um, exactly. Because, okay. Mm-hmm. Where that, well, let's go back a little bit on episode two because I did want to ask you another question. Okay. Um, at the beginning of episode two, there is a thing where there are some people in a Las Vegas um, casino. Okay. Do you remember that little scene? Describe it a little more. I'm, I'm trying to refresh my memory. They're in an office of a casino. I can't remember. It's actors that have not been in the show before. And, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and see, I missed part of it, and I didn't go back and watch it. But okay. they're basically, they're setting up the idea that um, the guy who runs the casino has to do things that he's told to do by someone, and you get the impression that that someone is Bad Cooper. Oh, bad Cooper yeah, yeah, is somehow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the actor's name, but he's kind of got bug eyes and uh, black hair, and he's sitting behind a desk, and another guy... Um, with blonde yeah. hair, walks a younger up to guy, him. I think, who yeah. works at the casino. And he's yeah. like, he's like, he asks him, "Why do you let him do that?" or something along those lines. Right. And he's going, you know, if don't, and he's, and the guy tells him, "Don't, don't ever allow yourself to get into a situation like this," or something along those lines. And so, right. yeah, I'm assuming that. The evil doppelganger Cooper has, you know, amassed some sort of an empire and has lots of power over lots of people. And, you know, maybe he is the the billionaire that built the glass box room that was mentioned earlier by uh, the, the now dead camera watcher guy. If you recall Ooh, yeah. that conversation, maybe that was to maybe that glass box was designed to capture Cooper. Possibly. But somehow didn't. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, I was like, okay, this is definitely, you know, again, you think this is definitely going to be this is a setup for something that's going to happen later. This guy in the casino is eventually going to be involved again in something. But, you you know, again, with Lynch. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) You never know. Right. Yeah. 
And then before we get to the um, the thing with the, with Dougie, mm-hmm. um, well, let's talk about the the evolution of the arm. Okay, you mean the uh, <laughs> the electric tree brain? Yes. <laughs> so yes, you know what the fuck was that? It. That was another reference to to earlier Lynch imagery that. Weird yes. electric tree brain talking tree brain. Weird. Yeah. What I, you know, when I was watching it in my mind, I thought, mm-hmm. um, oh, Michael J. Anderson, the man from another place. Uh, in my mind, I was just like, oh, yeah, I think I read he died. So this is how Lynch is continuing with that character without but, an actor to play that character. But he, he but did. He didn't die. I read. Yeah. OK, go ahead. He did not die. Right. So is it like do Lynch and Michael J. Anderson not get along? Did he not want to cast him in this? There was why a, would he change? I read that there was a contractual dispute between Michael Anderson and uh, Lynch's production company. I think they couldn't agree uh, on what he was going to get paid. I think that's what I remember from an article I read. But it was some contractual dispute, and it really hurts me that he was you know he was available, but it it just didn't work out. It was a, uh, you know, some weird dispute that, you know, could have probably been hmm. easily solved, but it just never was. And it's, oh, yeah. It's frustrating. It's, it's a big, I think it's a big hole in the whole Black Lodge scenes that he's not there and you have to rely upon the uh, one-armed man to kind of be the surrogate for the the man from another place, the, the, the dwarf. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I mean, you've got the giant too. Use the fucking giant, I guess. Well, but, true. Yeah, I was I was disappointed in that. Although you know, when I thought Michael J. Anderson had died and that that mm-hmm. this was Lynch's way of continuing the character, I thought that was very clever. But yeah. knowing that he's alive, it's yeah, mm-hmm. it's frustrating. It's like yeah, that's kind of a letdown, uh, really, when you think about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was definitely disappointed because I was like, when are they going to show the dwarf? And then then I realized, oh, then then I ran across that article. I'm like, what a wasted opportunity. But eh. yeah, but they're making frustrating. They're making do. And and the story is still great. Uh, And, you know, the guy playing the guy, the one armed guy is, you know, doing a good job because he's he's super weird in and of himself. Yeah. He's interesting, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the man from another place is just a cool character, and it's, yeah, uh, it is a letdown, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, at least he didn't just say, oh, you know, he found a way to work around it, as Lynch always does, so that right. was interesting. And he used people um, that, that, that had a good reason to be in the Black Lodge, so it, it works. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it works okay. Yeah. So, so, so how, how did the how did the arm become a, uh, an electric tree brain? Explain. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, that's just weird. <laughs> apparently, but that evolution, <laughs> right? Oh, that's true. Yes, that's what he said. Well, that explains why the he, evolution of the arm. Yeah, that explains why he found it necessary to cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Because yeah, it's just a damn tree. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be cool horrifying. if they showed the one armed man with the tree sticking out of his sleeve. Where an arm should be. That would be creepy and weird. It would be strange. Yes, like an electric octopus tentacle wriggling. Yes. With a talking yes. brain at the end of it. In the in the breeze. <laughs> wriggling in the breeze like trees do. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. 
I wonder if that was an, an electric sycamore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and the and mm-hmm. the tree says 253 time and time again. Okay, which, I'm glad you wrote that down because I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, I forgot to write that shit down. Yeah, I don't know. All these numbers they're throwing at us, man. Well, and and that does come back in episode three. Um, But before we get to that, Uh there was also the scene in um, episode two where Cooper's on the radio, bad Cooper's on the radio. Yeah. And he talks to someone that he thinks is Philip Jeffries. And Philip Mm -hmm. Jeffries is the character Bowie, David Bowie plays in Fire Walk With Me. Right. Yeah. Whose first whose first line is now we're not going to talk about Judy. Um, <laughs> Good memory, uh, which I, I have remembered since the first time I saw that movie. <laughs> I, I think it's because I'm such a big Bowie fan. Of I course. just remember his his first line in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me is now we're not going to talk about Judy. His first right. line in The Hunger is no ice. What's nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> memorable lines? Hey, eh? yeah. I have read a lot online and actually seen some stuff online, too, uh-huh. where Bowie's character, Philip Jeffries, was going to have much more to do yeah. in Fire Walk With Me. There oh. was hmm. a bunch of scenes where he was um, uh, down in Argentina, I think, was where he was supposed to be. Um, and some – oh, and Judy is with him. There was a character of Judy, oh. and Judy was going to be Josie Chin's uh, – Josie Packard's – um, sister. Really? Hmm. Yeah. So That's what I like about interesting. Yeah. What I like about Lynch is I think a lot of times he films stuff and then takes it out. And when he takes stuff out, it just becomes more mysterious. Mm-hmm. You know, when Absolutely. you watch fire walk with me mm-hmm. and Bowie says, now we're not going to talk about Judy. And then at the very end of fire walk with me is the thing where the monkey takes his mask off and says, Judy, um, which is creepy as fuck. Um, <laughs> when you when you see that and you don't know what Judy is, that's way more interesting than having Judy as a character. Right. I think it's weird and cryptic, and you're like, "What the fuck's going on?" And that's what Lynch right. loves to do to people's heads. Right. To be sure. And I think you know there are. I read online. I don't have the Twin Peaks, the complete set or whatever the 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 most complete set of twin peaks stuff is yeah but apparently there are several outtakes from fire walk with me with um uh, a lot of the characters from the series film scenes that didn't get used in the movie oh, are um, they are um, they on the dvd as uh, extra content they are and you Ooh. probably i bet you can find them on youtube too because i found probably. some of the scenes with bowie mm-hmm. that were filmed that were not in the um uh, original um online okay so because there's a scene that a hotel and and that and uh i can't remember what happens but anyway so that's who that's who bad cooper thinks he's talking to right on the radio now but the voice on the radio says mm-hmm. uh you are going back tomorrow and i will be with bob again yes and it's like who the hell is this Right, yeah, because yeah. it's not Philip Jeffries, the Bowie character. It's someone else. I mean, it. All, um, maybe it's the one-armed man? It's possible. It, it kind of sounded possible. like him, but I don't know why he would. But he was kind of big buddies with, or at least when, you know, he wasn't on his medication. He was like, you know, a super bad dude who hung out with Bob. 
you know, without chemicals, right, right. without chemicals, he points. If you remember that line from the original series. But anyway, that's beside no. the point. Wow, cool. Okay, now what I want to, well, not, not necessarily what I want to know is that we find out, and I can't remember which episode it is, you know, Evil Cooper has been manipulating Philip Jeffries, as you recall. Uh, Right. We find that out at the very end in the conversation between Gordon Cole. And here's something that just occurred to me while we've been talking, Uh not to jump ahead. Right. You know, at the end of the the fourth episode, uh, Gordon Cole and Albert are talking, Mm -hmm. and Albert tells Gordon Cole that – uh, Philip, uh, he gave Philip some information that Philip wanted and then uh, about who their man in Columbia was. And then a week later, that man was killed. Right. Philip Jeffries um, gave the information to Evil Cooper. And then a week later, yeah, that man was killed. Well, that's the presumption. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then and then there's some more conversation. And then um, there Gordon asks Albert, if he knows where someone is, a female is, he's, do you know where she is? And Albert says, I know where she drinks. And um, at at the time, I thought, well, that's either going to be Annie, who was Cooper's girlfriend at the time. Right. Or, you know, the only person we've seen at the bar drinking is Shelly. So maybe it would be Shelly, although I don't know why she would have anything to do with it. Right. But now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, is it Judy? Is Judy (laughs) going to be a character? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that one's weird. But was that at the end? Uh Go ahead. That's the end of episode four where they're having that conversation. Right. Which we'll talk a little bit more about. And um, and Lynch goes, oh, Albert. Oh, Albert. Which. Realizing uh, that, uh, oh, shit, this person who claims to be Cooper is responsible for the death of that agent down in Columbia. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I love the character of Albert. He's so funny. Um yes. and I I was like, uh oh, Albert Albert will admit when he's done made a mistake, you know. Mm-hmm. He's not going to hold back. Because then you know, what this all relates to is um, you know, in episode three, when we have the Asian woman and they finally end up out in space and and um, Major Brig floats by and goes, Blue Rose. Yeah. And all all of this somehow relates to Blue Rose. Right. Which in Fire Walk With Me, they mention the, it's a Blue Rose case, but they never tell you what that means. Yeah, there are theories about what Blue Rose is, usually probably meaning it's a, a case that involves some supernatural aspect or at least that's one of the theories out there well uh, that's what i keep i keep thinking i wonder if blue rose really refers to this whole um evil evil presence right. like bob and and all and and the lodge black and white lodge and all this as well right well, is that what blue rose really means or could it mm-hmm. mean more well, um some people or, or something completely different some people have postulated that it 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 ties into project blue book which the major briggs was involved with project blue book which is the air force's uh program to study the phenomenon of uh extraterrestrials or at least investigating ufos so it, that might be a tie-in. Don't know. I guess we'll find hmm. out, hopefully. Um, Maybe. Who yeah, knows? I'm not sure about um, that, but I, 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 I'm I, more along the lines of, yeah, it has the case has something to do with some supernatural aspect. 
which is probably more you know more close to the truth obviously right yeah yeah, yeah. or at least the covers that's covers so much ground that well it, right. yeah it that's, could be that or something a little more specific perhaps but um yeah yeah we'll see um yeah. I, of course, I love Major Briggs, so it was great to see him, even if it was a, you know, obviously the Donis Davis who who played that character has died. And right. so it was obviously some sort of uh, old footage they had that they used to do that. But I was just like, oh, yeah. I love Major Briggs so much. To me, I will never forget. I think my favorite moment in the in the all of the Twin Peaks universe uh-huh. is the scene between Major Briggs and Bobby yes. when they're oh. sitting and Major Briggs tells him I had a oh. dream or whatever. Right. That scene, I remember that scene. Mm-hmm. If someone says Twin Peaks to me, that's like the one of the first yeah. things that comes to my mind. I think we... I, yeah, we discussed that in a previous episode, I do believe. I think we did. That particular yeah. scene, yeah. I just I just love that scene. I the, those characters, that moment, uh, that it's just that to me is like one of the most perfect things that ever happened on TV. It was just you know, and Bobby's reaction and that moment where that the asshole kid kind of becomes a an adult and realizes his dad is a real person and not just his, you know, this right. guy is his dad. Well, that's you know, when I just so much going on. Mm-hmm. That, that was the, the when I realized that is it Dana Ashbrook who plays Bobby? Um, yeah, I realized this guy's a really good actor. And do you remember the. Yeah. The, yeah. the crying scene that he had when he saw the picture of Laura Palmer at the police station after we find out yes. that Bobby's a sheriff's deputy now. Um, yes, which is hilarious. Oh my, it was hilarious, <laughs> but he, he, he sold it, man. He, his, oh, yeah. It was, well, I mean, it was emotions, hilarious that he was a cop. Right. It, it was, was hilarious, hilarious to me yeah. that he was a cop. He that was, was cop. funny. But he sold but, yeah. the emotions of when he saw the picture of Laura and just started crying. And, you know, it was almost like he was channeling Andy. If you remember Andy in the original <laughs> right? series, yeah. he cried at the drop of a hat. Any time there was right. something it, sad or it was funny. Yeah. But uh, did you watch Fire Walk with me again recently? No, I haven't. I I wish I would have. Oh. Yeah, but uh, there's a scene in Firewalk with me where mm-hmm. Bobby and Laura Palmer are in the woods. They're waiting for someone to bring them cocaine. Okay, and they're high as fuck, and Laura is uh, giggling and laughing, mm-hmm. and. And then this guy comes and he tells him he has what they want or whatever. And then Bobby shoots him and Laura is laughing and she's all fucked up. And she says, Bobby, you shot Mike. And then Bobby is like, no, I didn't. Wait, did I shoot Mike? And it's just their their acting in that scene is, again, one of those things uh, that scene sticks with me because Hmm. she's so good in it. She's she and he's good, too. uh, And the two of them together. But she's so far. Is it Sherilyn Finn that plays Laura Palmer? Uh, No, no. Uh, Cheryl Cheryl Lee. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's so good in that scene. She's she's you know, she's playing someone fucked up out of their head. She's giggling. Yeah. 
and I don't know, it's it's one of those creepy scenes. And yet it's like so uh-huh. realistic, because mm-hmm. if you've ever just been high or drunk where you didn't know your own name, yeah. she pulls that off perfectly. And then Bobby does, too. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the, you know, the, he's a really good actor and she is, too. She doesn't get any credit for how amazing she is, in my opinion, as Laura Palmer and and Maddie. Um, I would agree with that. In, in fire walk with me you, you should watch it again when you get a chance she's fucking oh. amazing in that movie she that actress is so good yeah and her her death scene in fire walk with me i remember is very chilling oh yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. exactly yeah she's, yeah mm-hmm. she's just really she's so so good in that role um right and and i i one of the, i think that's one of the things i love about fire walk with me too mm-hmm. is that you know, you really didn't get to see how good she was in the series. She was good in the series, but right. in the movie, just how in the movie you get to see how amazing she is, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I, she, think, I think I was just repeating myself. So <laughs> sure. Well, she was, she was underutilized in the series, but that was because, you know, she's the dead girl and we only really ever see her in the black lodge and she's talking backwards. But yeah, in fire walk with me, you get to see the, the you know, the prequel of, of her right. when she's still alive and, and what she actually went through prior right. to her death. And that's what makes that so important to, to the, um, you know, the Twin Peaks canon, as it were, you know. Yeah, I read an interview. I can't remember if I saw her in an interview or read an interview where she said, and I never thought about this, but she said in the in the TV series as Laura Palmer, she only really played Laura Palmer in flashbacks. Yeah. In the movie, she got to play her as a, a real person in real time or whatever yeah. you want to say. Right. Um, and and I hadn't really thought about that, but that was that was true. And and uh, I think that movie gives her a real. Uh, opportunity to shine and and she and she did right now the thing is when the movie uh fire walk with me first came out i was disappointed and disturbed by it because i was expecting you know just another version of the tv show and it's in it took and it's taken years for me to appreciate how important fire walk with me is to everything else you know right it it, it would be completely incomplete storyline without the the prequel movie fire walk with me and i appreciate it a whole lot now people now you remember trish had made some comments about twin peaks and she said she was disappointed in it and then it was too gritty and it's probably because she had only ever seen the uh, the TV series and never saw Fire Walk with Me because Fire right. Walk with Me gives you that gritty, shocking, horrible side to the whole story, and right. so so I was prepared for whatever you know the new series was going to heap on us, and it's very much a combination of that you know the 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 gritty, horrible, violent aspects, uh, you know, sexualized stuff that was in fire walk with me uh mixed with you know the 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 quirky kooky kind of stuff in you know the the original series and so i was, right. it was a perfect melding of the two and i mean well, I, where else could have the story gone though than than what we're seeing right now there's no other way that it could have been 
Well, two things. One, uh-huh. one is I remember when Twi- when Firewalk with Me came out. I was disappointed in it, but I didn't hate it. I was just, I, I think I was just. I, I think no matter what Lynch did, people were going to be disappointed. Mm. Um, I think what I didn't like about it when it first came out was that we already knew how it was going to end. So true, it, it seemed a slightly repetitious, and it mm. was darker. But I didn't mind that. But but um, I, this time I watched it just a couple weeks ago, and I loved it ten times if not 20, 30 times more than I did right. the first time I saw it. Um, yeah. The second thing is what uh, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that, you know, we all knew that Lynch was going to do this new series, but now that I'm thinking about it, in my mind, I really didn't have any expectations of exactly how it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I read a quote, I don't know who said this, someone on Facebook uh, uh, said this, I think, but I thought, wow, this is this is a perfect quote. Uh, it said in in the original Twin Peaks, um, Lynch showed us how he could conform to television. Mm-hmm. And in the new Twin Peaks, we find out how television can conform to Lynch. Oh, wow. I was like, wow, that is that is the perfect uh, encapsulation of what's going on. That's because true. I mean, television this show really is yeah. Lynch's show. Yeah, television has finally evolved to where something like this can happen as a series on a on a premium channel. You know, right? Because yeah, I yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like when when Twin Peaks came out. I don't think there were original series on any of the premium channels yet, so it just wasn't even no. a, a concept to to have. But then in the interim, in these twenty five years. That's commonplace, you know, series on on the premium channels like this now. Right. And so Right. I Yeah, the, I'm I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of, you know, there were some shows on like HBO, like I remember, do you remember a show called Brothers where one of the brothers was gay and it was all about the two other brothers trying to to kind of figure out what's going on. I don't know if you remember that show or not. I I don't. Um, was was that in the early 90s though? I think it was. Okay. Yeah, I think it maybe mid maybe no, it was probably early 90s. I think there may have been some series like you're saying like I think HBO had uh maybe they have a series that was based around sports somehow like a football team or something. But there wasn't anything like what we have now. There you right. know, there wasn't yeah. anything on cable TV series-wise that was yeah. something similar to the things we have now. Right. Um, I mean, premium channels back then were predominantly just showing movies that it had been, you know, at the at the movie theater or right, with, yeah. with some maybe original uh, originally produced movies uh, for HBO or something, but not a whole lot of series i mean like you said there probably were some but just it wasn't the huge proliferation that there is now and so it's the it's the perfect medium and lynch has taken to it like a duck to water to use a cliche right right i well i think it's you know i think you're right this is this is the evolution of of television uh, where you know we've had stranger things and then um mm-hmm. Uh, other other series like uh, one of the shows I watched that I wanted to talk to you about was the OA, um, where mm-hmm. we've had these series that were made for um, Netflix and and 
are really odd, unusual, more daring, more interesting, more unique than anything you'd find on network television. Yes. Um, and 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 then and the next step, you're right. I mean, this is the next step where someone like Lynch and auteur is given free reign to do what he wants. Here's 18 hours. Right. And fill the, it with whatever you think you're, is interesting. Yes. And, and now the technology is c- caught up as well. You know, the cinematography for this series is amazing. And, you know, and when I say technology is caught up, you know, everybody has a widescreen TV now that, you know, it's the shape of a, a movie screen. And uh, right. the, the digital technology is amazing. And they're I, they're using some new type of uh, uh, Lynch is using some new type of camera. I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's specifically made for um, um uh, for portability, uh, documentary style cameras. I wish I could remember what it was called. It's like a Simca or some 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 kind of a new digital camera with you know amazing hmm. uh, resolution. And I'm sure you've seen it. You know, it's just the cinematography is just it's lush and and beautiful. Um, well, now that you say that, we I watched it on my nephew's TV screen, which is not. Uh-huh. It's a good. I guess it's a good size, and it's an okay uh, uh, screen. Um, but it's a widescreen uh, yeah. TV, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering. I can't remember how big it is. I don't. Maybe it's as big as the TV I have at home. But okay. Um. I. I you know. I. I. I went in and out of of loving and and not loving the CGI effects and the and the uh, cinematography in this Twin Peaks the return um okay some sometimes i thought it was a little too slick Ah, um all right um and i'm trying to think of a good example of that and i can't really Hmm. well like when when cooper is in the the thing with the asian woman and he goes through the electric plug right yes that just looked a little too phony to me probably because it was so crisp and clear you know oh um, okay maybe high definition kind of harmed it more than helped it okay possibly yeah i see what you're saying um i mean there was just a few things like that i can't think of another good example i'll have to pay more attention to it you know of course with lynch i'm more focused on the characters and what they're saying and what's happening Mm -hmm. than i am on how it looks yeah Um, well so i'll have to take a little bit more of a uh, I just remember certain scenes, like also like when it lent, when um, Cooper's in the glass cage and he starts uh-huh. it starts getting smaller and larger, mm-hmm. and that was so clear. I think it was so clear that it it looked fake. It looked more like a this is an effect than this is something oh. that you would really see. Hmm. But okay. but I also think like we were were saying it was also an homage to Lynch's earlier work. So true. So you know. You kind of got to expect some, I don't know, self-referential things, so I don't know. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is 2017. I mean, certainly there was nothing as bad as the deer in The Walking Dead, but (laughs) I I felt like at times Lynch's special effects may have been uh, less um, realistic than he would have hoped they would have been Mm -hmm. based on what he may have had for a budget. Um, Okay. And – but. Also, could be wrong. well, and also some people you don't want to see in high definition, you know, the, the 
<laughs> right. Who's yeah. a ha- Harry Goaz, the guy who plays uh, Andy Brennan? You don't uh-huh. necessarily you don't necessarily want to see him in high definition. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps not. Perhaps uh, not. Well, but, anyway, yeah. getting back to episode three. Right. Because um, we're only on to episode three now. Um, okay. I wanted to mention that. Uh, so when we see the evolution of the arm, he says 253 time and time again. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene when Lint, when uh, Cooper is in the box floating through space. And I think it's after the Asian lady leaves. Then uh-huh. there's another lady sitting by the fireplace. Right. And she looks at her watch and her watch is exactly 253. Oh, that's right. And 2.53, I remember, is also the time on the clock when the switch of uh, Cooper's is supposed to happen. Is that correct? I don't know. If, I don't know. That, I think that's when it does happen. Right. That's when he goes through the electrical outlet and then he comes out and is Dougie. Okay. Right. That happens right at 2.53. That's right. Cause, on the lady's watch. Yeah, because yeah. it also, that's the same time that's on the... The uh, the Lincoln that uh, Evil Cooper is driving. They keep showing the clock, as you right, recall, and it's saying right. 253 also. Okay. And that's right. why he's holding back his vomit until after that time. Whereas the, you know, Dougie Jones character, well, he just throws up all over the the, the room that he is spend, had spent the night with the prostitute. Right. So, And I don't know... What creamed corn has to do with everything? Um, <laughs> but creamed corn means something, and it sure looks like Dougie uh, throws up creamed corn uh, in that scene. I'm not sure, yeah. but well, definitely, but, you, Evil Cooper has yeah vomits up some horrifying yellow stuff. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah, which so bad that the cops. <laughs> that come get sick yeah right it has some uh, noxious gases in it that almost knocks the one cop out yeah right yeah and then the other thing that's interesting is that dougie has um laura palmer's ring the jade ring yes i didn't snap to uh the ring at first but then didn't didn't also that in in the original series the man from another place was wearing that ring at one point in time as well? I feel like maybe he was. I'm I'm trying to remember. I don't know where the ring ended. Mm-hmm. Um, Me either. Uh, in the original series, I don't remember. Um, I'm trying to look here and see if I made any notes from re-watching the original. Um, oh, Cooper tells Laura, in Fire Walk With Me, mm-hmm. Cooper tells Laura, uh, don't take the ring, Laura. Um, and, 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 um, uh, Chris Isaac, I think it is, or maybe it's Cooper finds the ring in a pile of dirt under the trailer. Oh, oh, Mm -hmm. and then when the one armed man, uh, pulls up in the convertible next to Laura and, and, uh, her dad in the car and he starts yelling, it's him, it's your father. Uh huh. He, He has the ring on in that scene. Oh, Wow. Okay, so the ring is um, very significant. So Yeah, the ring means something, yeah. So apparently in this new series, if you have a ball bearing and that ring, you can create a Dougie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> apparently. That's what the that's all that was left of uh, Dougie after he shrunk and turned into a ball of tar and then 
cracked open and a ball bearing fell out or whatever the fuck that was. was Whatever that was about. Yeah. That was weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that reminds me, the only other thing that took place in that episode that I don't think we've talked about is what the Uh, fuck's going on with Jacoby painting the shovels gold. That's another thing that went on forever. That means not just like, Oh my God, will this ever end? Well, what I also want to know is didn't, didn't Jacoby used to have a really swanky bachelor pad in the original series? How did he, how did he come to start living in a trailer out in the woods? Oh yeah, now he's in a trailer out in the woods. I don't know, uh-huh. man. Maybe his uh, maybe his practice dried up after Laura died. I don't know. Well, could yeah. be, could be. I mean, I mean just... that that is the question. What is he doing out there, and why is he painting shovels gold? Right. I mean, it it only seems to me that peop- the only reason that somebody would take several shovels, paint them gold, would be for like. Uh, uh, groundbreaking for like a new building of some kind. That's the only time I've ever hmm, seen a gold that's shovel. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think about. It. I was just so bored by it. I didn't even <laughs> contemplate what it could pop. Just I, like, all right, Lynch, I'll wait until you show me what the fuck this means. I did like the two pedal machine that he had that he was using while he was painting the shovels because he hit one oh, foot yeah. pedal and and the next shovel would move right in front of him and then. And then when he had painted all of the front sides of the shovels, he hit both of the pedals at the same time, and they all spun around so that he could paint the other sides of the shovels. <laughs> oh, that's the engineer in you loving something that the rest of us were completely bored by. Well, well, I, was I was like, like oh. who? where did they get that machine, or who made that machine for this, yeah. for this show? But anyway, yeah. Yeah, why would you make a machine to do that mm-hmm. when you could just put a shovel on there and walk around? Well— it, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> Maybe it was, yeah, who knows? Maybe it was originally designed for uh, painting car parts or something in, yeah. in a, in well, a mass so, production yeah. situation, you know. From, from I, I mean, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the thing is you could have just the, the shovels hanging there and walk around and paint them. But no, for right. whatever reason, it was more important to have them on the machine mm-hmm. where you didn't have to move, but they moved. That, that was, yeah. was like, okay, whatever. It's just a little bit of weirdness that kind of adds to the uh, Twin Peaks universe, right? Well, again, and also, and also, bored me to tears. Um. Well, yeah, but until we find out why, once we find right. out why, maybe it'll all you know make sense or not. Yeah, yeah, it could. It could mean nothing. Yeah, you just don't know. But it seems um, like the the guy who plays Doctor Jacoby is that um, Richard Bamer? No, nope. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, some other guy who was in uh, never mind. West Side Story, in West Side Story and a ton uh, of other stuff. What is that actor's name? Now it's going to drive me crazy, man. <laughs> exactly. I got to look it up. It's um, Russ uh, Russ Tamblin. Russ Tamblin. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. He's he's apparently in almost every episode. So he obviously yeah he's going to be he must uh, important to them yeah, must be important. to the story hmm? right. So hmm. Hmm. Yeah. interesting. Well, then in episode four was where Cooper's in the casino, and that goes on forever. Mm-hmm. And then he takes all the money home, and guess what? He's married to Naomi Watts, who was in um, <laughs> Mulholland Drive. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and, uh, that was yeah. all right, even though bored to death by all that that was going on. Right, but now they, they can pay off the people that they owe money to, who obviously are attempting to kill Dougie Jones. The, the two guys who are in the cars that were following the prostitute and Dougie Jones on his 
on his way on his way to the casino. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the whole thing with the money, and by that point, I was so frustrated with it, I didn't even really pay any attention to what Naomi Watts was talking about. Yeah, and I totally forgot that there were those guys trying to kill Dougie, and he just happened to uh, bend down in the car at right. the opportune moment because the yeah the the keys fell on the floor. Well, that could be okay. So, I um, mean, if you put all these things together, mm-hmm. there's there's the guy from the casino in Las Vegas talking about having, you know, being controlled by bad Cooper. Uh-huh. Um, and then, then maybe Dougie is someone that is uh, has some issues with bad Cooper. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. Maybe maybe bad Cooper's op- opening a casino and Dr. Jacoby is spray painting the, the shovels gold for the groundbreaking for the casino that bad Cooper's going to build. Wow. Hey, that's that's an interesting uh, fan theory. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if that comes true. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 d- yeah, I doubt it. I doubt that too, but, but it would, that's a, an amusing little aside. Yeah, we'll just have to mm. see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then episode four was also where we found out that Robert Forrester is also Sheriff Truman, and he's related to... Harry S. Truman. Yes. Which again, I don't know if Michael Ontkeen just wasn't interested in being in in the show, or I, whether I think that's what I read. He just wasn't interested in being a part of it. Um, hmm. You know, or maybe I there. Mean, if you can't. Yeah, maybe there was some bad blood between Lynch and and Ontkeen. I, I I need to re- look further into that. Right. I, I think Aunt Keen filmed some scenes for Firewalk with me that got cut. Oh, so yeah? I don't know. Maybe that was part of it too. Maybe. Um, hmm. Hard to say. Because yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're gonna not get Michael Aunt Keen to reprise his role, then I don't think there's anything better than Robert Forster yeah. as uh, Harry as Sheriff Truman. Oh, um, yeah. I love him. Uh, yeah, I do too. I was frustrated that he had to sit and listen to Michael Sarah uh, <laughs> ramble on for oh twenty my. minutes about nothing. But yes, the interminably long soliloquy by uh, Michael Sarah. Jeez, what a waste of yeah. time! <laughs> I know. Yeah. So what? What's interesting about the the Truman brothers thing is that you know they're saying that Sheriff Harry S. Truman is sick. So they're leaving the door open so that if there's a season two and they somehow patch things up with Michael Ontkeen, maybe he'll reprise his role as Harry S. Truman next season. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, maybe there's, you know, that would be nice. That would be interesting. That's true. It did leave the door open for that. So maybe maybe they can mend some fences there. Right. They didn't Um, they didn't burn that bridge by saying that he died or anything, you know. So Yeah. That's a good thing. And the the only other thing that struck me interesting about the Michael Sarah thing was Mm -hmm. um his name is Wally, and I believe in the original series, um Jacques Renault had a mina bird and I don't know if you remember this, but they found the Mina bird, right. and then uh, it, it got, was it was saying mm-hmm. it was saying some stuff. They had a recorder turned on that was voice activated, and it was saying yes. stuff that that was like Laura now or whatever. And, um, and then it was, and then they sh- right. Who shot the bird? Was it uh, Leo? It was, Leo. Oh, Leo did. Okay. Yeah. All right. And. Um, so anyway, that minor bird's name was Wally. I'm almost positive. Okay. Like, so 
Lucian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andy I don't named know. their kid after the Mina bird, or? Well, I guess it's possible. They they did have some exposure to uh, Wally and maybe grew to love yeah. it. So they named their kid Wally. Now, why did Wally change his last name from Brennan to Brando? Because he imitates Marlon Brando in The Wild One. Yeah, that I, well, I know that, but that's just <laughs> such a ridiculous stretch. I don't know. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. Maybe Brando's his middle name. Oh. Wally Brando Brennan. That I could don't know. be, right? Hey, I had also forgotten in, mm-hmm. in season two of Twin Peaks, Lucy gets pregnant. And I think at that point, her and Andy are broken up or having trouble. And she's she's also seeing the guy who's the, the smarmy oh, yeah. guy. The guy who works at that, the uh, uh, haberdashery or the, the clothing shop or whatever the fuck it is. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember that actor's name either. He was in uh, he, he was in a soap opera, mm-hmm. and then he also played um, uh, Lester Guy in Lynch's On the Air. Oh, okay. He's like right. the main character of, of that show, mm-hmm. and another one of those characters and actors that appeared in season two, and I was just like, yeesh. Um, <laughs> um, but I I don't think we ever found out whether she was pregnant, and I don't know that we ever found out if it was Andy's baby or that other guy's baby. Yeah, I don't think we did either, but Lucy, you know, made her decision of who she wanted to marry and, and be the father. So at that point, right. it became a moot point. She had, you know, she had made her decision, and that's just the way it was going to be, right? Right, yeah. Hmm. I oh. just, it was interesting that I had totally forgotten she was pregnant in season two. Okay, well, maybe they were trying to maybe give us an answer that it really was the smarmy guy's kid because, he, you know, because of his weird affectation toward the dramatic is more like <laughs> the, the, the smarmy clothing guy than, than either... Andy or or Lucy. Maybe so. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe so, yeah. Now I have to watch that scene I, over again and see, do uh, I see parallels in this very, you know, histrionic uh, uh, way of communicating, just like whatever that character's name was. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, or maybe anyway. not. Maybe don't waste your time with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was... Yeah, I already seen it twice, and I don't know if I could see it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't pay any. After a while, I just stopped paying attention to what he was saying because it didn't mean anything. So I, I, all I can remember is he kept calling Andy and uh, Lucy these good people, and uh, right, uh, and they were gonna turn his room into something and into a den or something, and they were happy about that. And right, I don't know. It was just ramble, ramble, ramble. Anyway, uh-huh. uh very much so. So then we then. We end the episode with Gordon Cole and Albert and the new uh, or the female CIA agent or FBI agent. Right. I can't remember what her name was. Uh, um, me either. Visiting Bad Cooper in jail and realizing something's up. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was the, the, yeah, the FBI agent Tamara Preston was her name. Tamara, yeah. Yeah. And, so, uh, and that's... Right. Yeah, they... they Totally do not believe that that's the same person. They know something's weird. Yeah, yeah. they know something's weird. Yeah. And then well, they and said also it, the this, whole thing the, is, Yeah, they say it, this is a Blue Rose case, meaning, they, yeah, they know right. something is fucked up and weird. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe that Cooper's been possessed by the demon Bob or whatever. Right. Um, and the whole thing with Gordon Cole turning up his uh, hearing aid and, and mm-hmm. 
uh, Albert squeaking his feet. I was just like, oh, again, this is Lynch's humor that no one but Lynch <laughs> thinks is funny. Yeah. Just like, well, oh, my God, how irrit- – it just irritated the fuck out of me, I guess. Well, it's probably yeah, – it's just kind of – Lynch probably knew somebody who had hearing aids at one time that weird noises like that would make him freak out. Who knows why? Why put that? I in don't know. Oh, I think he's just. I think that's just his idea of funny, and mm-hmm. it, it's not funny. Um, he it's, just, it's Lynch's idea of humor. Yeah, he just likes to throw very irritating noises into the mix. Right. Well, that was the other thing I read too. That you know, and I I didn't know this. Lynch did the to- all of the sound design for the the at least the episodes we've seen so far, and presumably the whole series. Yeah, um, I can believe which, that. You know. Sound the sound design and Lynch stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, its own thing. Um, oh yeah, he likes a, a guy he worked with on the early films that died. Mm-hmm. I, I think Alan Splett was his name. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, him and Lynch worked together on all this. You know, Eraserhead mm-hmm. as just a really interesting sound design and lots of really all of Lynch's stuff. Yeah, yeah. industrial noises and humming and static and. Right. Just irritating type stuff. Well, kind of some like white noise stuffed mixed with staticky, irritating shit. Right, right. Otherworldly mm. sounds, though. I mean, yeah. The, the sound design on Lynch stuff is definitely a character unto itself in a certain <laughs> way. That's, um, a, that's a good way of putting it, right? Mm. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, just at the end, what we know is that they, th- that was when. Albert told Gordon Cole that he uh, he said Philip was our man in Colombia. Oh, f- I told Philip who our man was in Colombia. Yeah. A week later, that man that man got that man was killed. Um, and then Gordon asks if Albert understands. Albert says Blue Rose. Gordon says it doesn't get any bluer. Mm, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's somewhat. Uh, yeah, that's very cryptic. But uh, we kind of know what they're talking about, but yeah, not yeah. fully. As with pretty much right. everything Lynch puts before you, you never he never gives you all the answers up front. That's just not his way. Sometimes he never right. gives you the answers. So, right, right. I, and I love that. I mean, I, it, when all is said and done, I love that about him. I love mm-hmm. that Lynch, you know, has said that you know whenever someone asks him questions about his work. He, he he just kind of refuses to answer. That's really not what he does, but he just basically says it is what it is, and and you you think what you want. Yeah. I have my own interpretation, but you think what you want, and I you know that that's what makes him wow. such a fascinating filmmaker. Yeah, an artist. Mm-hmm. So theater of the mind, so, theater of the yeah. mind. Yes. The only other thing I wanted to say was at the end of uh, episode three, there was a band and I didn't write down their name. They were slightly like rockabilly. Yes. The two guys. And then at the, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I feel like they were called something like the Cactus Brothers or something. Um, I'm sure we (laughs) can find out online. Yeah. And then at the end of episode four was a band um, that I've heard of and actually uh, listened to a few times called Au Revoir Simone. Mm-hmm. My French is horrible. Au, au Revoir Simone. Au Revoir Simone. Yeah. Au, re- au Revoir Simone. Just, yeah. Just say it um, fast uh, and it'll sound great. 
<laughs> that's the way to do it. You're right. Uh, a great band. I also have looked online and seen that there's eventually going to be a soundtrack album with with the songs from the um, end of the episodes uh, will be released eventually. Mm-hmm. I think Lynch doesn't want to release it yet because he wants to surprise us with what the songs and the artists are going to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a nice way to end an episode, and you you learn about some new music that is interesting to David Lynch, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, interesting to me as well. Makes right. you definitely want you know, to seek these uh, bands out. When I saw the the Chromatics at the end of episode two. You know, I thought, oh, this is the like the updating of um, of the Julie Cruz stuff. Right. And I, I was so I just thought it was, you know, at that point, I just thought it was going to be a one time thing. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I just assumed that Lynch had written the song uh, because the lyrics were very Lynchian. The song was mm-hmm. kind of Lynchian. And and but no, it was a, a song that they had written themselves or, or, you know, it wasn't a song that Lynch wrote anyway. Right. Um, and I was like, wow, that's like that was like the perfect song, perfect band at the end of episode two. I was just like, wow, that really is amazing. And then when it, you know, episode three and four, we had other bands who were also, you know, fit into fit in perfectly. I mean, oh, yeah, it, you know, it was it, even the the more standard country rock band that played at the end of episode three the, fit, fit the fit mm-hmm. the feeling and tone perfectly was, was that the cactus blossoms that may be what it was the two, yeah. the two rockabilly guys maybe i, I think so yeah. yeah and i think it was cac- cactus something for sure so if you well yeah it's cactus blossoms i'm seeing that for okay. sure yeah here in on okay. imdb and the chromatics that was episode two yeah okay they did a song called shadows which i down right. which you can download on uh, uh i got it on amazon uh, i'm assuming you can find it on itunes as well mm-hmm. um just that song is beautiful and it's so lynchian and so perfect for twin peaks oh yeah well, um I, I, I loved it yeah i think i almost feel like those bands were influenced by lynch in some way oh yeah i think they would be i'm pretty sure they're pretty honored to be asked to perform mm-hmm. yeah they for the series yeah so. it almost some of them are almost reminiscent of uh, the, the haunting music of like chris isaacs back in the 90s if you remember him mm-hmm. yeah and julie and the julie cruz stuff too right i mean absolutely of course wouldn't chris so i will say what wouldn't chris isaacs in uh fire walk with me he played one of the yeah yeah okay yeah so that makes perfect sense yeah okay um, um i will say this my nephew was watching it with me and fell asleep he was totally bored by it didn't really? understand anything that was well, going on yep he didn't have the context I, though he didn't have the context right. and th- and that i think is a big downside to this is it's it's to me it's a four fans only kind of a thing which right i shouldn't say that's a downside but it would be hard to convince someone unfamiliar with Lynch uh, to watch th- the show, I think. Yeah, you have to have some history and not just have watched the original series, maybe have also seen lots of other Lynch stuff, you know. Yeah, I think so, too. I think any, you know, anyone who's uh, the only thing they've seen of Lynch is this or Inland Empire mm. doesn't really know. You know, doesn't know enough to appreciate Lynch. Right. Um, well, true. It, it's, yeah. 
It'll be interesting. I mean, the story is starting to evolve a little bit more now. Of course, you know, Lynch is taking his time setting stuff up, but we're getting, you know, with with the with Gordon and Albert there with the bad Cooper. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're starting to get a little closer to the meat of the story. Oh, yeah. Um, So I think it'll just get better and better. But I could see where someone uh, uninitiated watching it would just be bored out of their mind. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's 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 a possibility. Well, what I'm hoping for is Cooper regains his sensibilities and doesn't just walk around like Chauncey Gardner for the rest of the uh, season. Oh, Jesus, God, please. <laughs> That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, shit. Yes. Uh, did you see some of the uh, interesting cameos in the um, show? Benjamin Horn's uh, secretary or whoever she is, or assistant, played by Ashley Judd. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Okay. And, uh, whoa, what the hell happened to Jerry Horn? Wow, he turned it. Into... Yeah, is that the same actor? I it don't know is. if that's the same actor. No, it is. is. It? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. He just got old. And plus he's wearing yes. a... He grew a beard and was wearing a weird costume. Is that mother's, yeah. is that mother's hat? <laughs> Remember when Ben asked Jerry? Oh, ben, ben, ben and Jerry... What do you know? The ice yeah, cream Yeah, Ben and brothers. Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben, oh. ben Horn is one of my least favorite characters, too. He bores me to death. Yeah. Um, well, but I was I was uh, happy to see him, at least, you know. For all we know, he's just going to do... He just did the one cameo. But I don't know. They, we may right. see more of him. Uh, oh, another thing. I think eventually we're going to get back to Twin Peaks, you know. Yeah, I think all roads lead to Twin Peaks, for sure. So, yeah. Oh, you know. good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, the, the whole New York uh, setting is no longer necessary. Um, right. And uh, what was the, where was the other place they were in? Uh, South Dakota or something? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where um, uh, evil, evil uh, that's Cooper bad Dale is. is there, yeah. yeah, Bad Dale. Yeah, Bad, okay. bad, that's a lot bad easier. Cooper. Okay. Evil Cooper. Oh, um. You know the one. Uh, the where one is good... Twin Peaks? Did they ever say? Is it supposed to be in Washington? Yes. Or Oregon, Washington. Twin Peaks, Washington. Yes. Okay. I yeah. I didn't know that for a fact. Hey. Oh. Okay. The one good saving grace about the scene in the casino with Cooper hitting all the jackpots was mm-hmm. the cameo by Josh McDermott of The Walking Dead. Eugene. Really? I didn't. Yeah. He I walked even... by and he said, "You know, he was. It was like a." Five second cameo. He stopped and said something to uh, Cooper after he won a jackpot. Like, wow, you sure are lucky or something. I can't remember. It was just, you know, a, wow, did, a tiny, so tiny cameo. I didn't pay any attention. Right. Yeah. Well, he wasn't talking like Eugene. So if you, if you didn't, and plus it was a very short time. So if you didn't catch it, yeah, you missed it. Was he, did he have a mullet? I think he still had the mullet, though. It was kind of combed in a different way. It wasn't combed in Eugene ah. style, so it wasn't 100% completely obvious. But uh, right. I had to rewind it a couple of times. I was like, is that, is that Eugene? <laughs> I was like, yes, it is. Wow, what a cute oh, wow. What a cute little uh, Easter egg that was of sorts. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice that. Right. Who was the guy that walked up to to Dougie and, or to Cooper and thought it was Dougie and and was talking to him like he knew him and yeah was that an actor you'd seen in stuff before he looked familiar I think it was someone I have seen oh it's um it was Ethan Supley or yes he played the character Bill Shaker uh, 
But yeah, he was also in um, that uh, TV show. My name is Earl. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it was. Yep. I yeah. Interesting to see him in that. Uh, yeah, to see yeah. some of the cameos and stuff. Right. And to see, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Do you remember the scene with? Um, gosh, now her name is escaping me. Uh, Laura Palmer's mother, where she's watching oh, Grace TV. Zabriskie. Yeah, Great Sabrisky yeah. watching TV, and it's like a bunch of lions uh, uh, killing a, I don't know, water buffalo or something, and just ripping right. into his flesh. Yeah. That was weird and bizarre. Yes, and and didn't she come back again for a small scene? So, was she in the grocery store, or am I thinking of maybe so? Yeah, that yeah that does ring a bell. Yeah, and I can't even remember the context of why she was in the grocery store, and who she ran into. Something doesn't. Yeah, uh, or am I? Am I? I feel like I saw her in something else recently, and they've overlapped in my mind. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I thought there was uh, a. I thought there was a second scene with her for sure. Maybe. Um, but uh, I just yeah. Oh, and you remember the um, girlfriend of Bad Cooper who he killed in the hotel room. Oh, uh-huh, Daria? Yeah, Daria. That's the same actress who played the uh, woman who hoodwinked the science fiction writer uh, in uh, Fargo. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the, the character. But anyway, yeah, I was... Didn't uh, you say the actress that plays her as an older woman is also in Twin Peaks? Uh, I don't think so. No, she oh, was in another oh. show. She was in that show Resurrection, which I hated. Yeah, but she's not in Twin Peaks, too? She's not in the new Twin Peaks? I, I don't think so. I guess maybe you were so. talking about the young one. Hmm. Right, just the young okay. one. Yeah, yeah. we had mentioned that in a previous episode, and we were talking about the episode of Fargo. And I was like, oh, yeah, I right. noticed that she was also, when I did a IMDb search, saw that she was going to be in one episode of the new Twin Peaks. I guess I said that a couple hmm. of episodes ago. Um, yeah, so. that was that was one of those things. It's like, oh, that scene with Bad Cooper and and her in the hotel room where he punches her in the face. And I was like, oh, the feminists are going to have a field day complaining about Lynch being misogynistic again. Well, but um, I mean, it, clearly that character was evil. And so if anybody takes offense, they don't you know, understand, you know, the, the character is supposed to be a horrible, horrible context. Yeah, context yeah. is everything in this, yeah. you know. Now, if he were some heroic character and all of a sudden he's punching a woman in the face, then, yeah, I think people might <laughs> might have some reason to uh, complain. Oh, Jennifer Jason Lee also was in the episode right after oh, yeah. Bad Cooper killed, killed Daria. Daria. Yeah, he goes into Jennifer Jason Lee's room, uh, Chantal's room, and... Uh, <laughs> So she straddles him and he says, whoa, you're wet down there. It's like, oh, that's, oh yeah. That's so creepy. <laughs> so yeah. creepy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So much stuff happens in an episode. It's I a just, I, you can't keep up with it. Absolutely. That was the other thing I wanted to ask you, not not to change the subject, but uh, do, so since Showtime showed <clears throat> two episodes, Four mm-hmm. episodes are online. I know Showtime is showing episode three and four this Sunday. Yeah. I wonder when the next episodes are going to get put online. Yeah, are I they wonder. Are going to go to a point where it's one per one per week or yeah? I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll maybe I'll have to 
go on yeah showtime online and see if they have a listing of when yeah when episode five is going to be released online it'd be nice if five and six five and six are released the night of uh, three and four broadcast i wonder if that will happen yeah oh um did you also notice richard chamberlain was uh one of the characters when uh, Gordon went to visit uh, Denise, mm-hmm. Richard Chamberlain was the guy yeah, who escorted I didn't him. Actually, in, so um, that was kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't realize that's who it was until I think I watched the credits or something, uh, um, or or looked it up online, and I was like, "Oh, Richard Chamberlain." Then I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's who." Um, which I, you know, in my mind, I thought Richard Chamberlain was dead, um, yeah, but he isn't. <laughs> He's got to be, geez, in his 80s at least, if not older. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of neat. Uh, and I know there will be more to come. Uh, cameos and, and um, mm-hmm. you know, interesting things in future episodes. Oh, yeah. Richard Chamberlain's 83. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. He looked He looked it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, but he looks pretty damn good for 83 oh yeah, um, yeah. you know still interesting still dashing yes yeah <laughs> well hey man we're already two hours in are uh, you ready to move on yes with one with one last thing you know who the actress meg foster is she was the woman who was in the casino who gave cooper change in a little cup i don't know vaguely okay i don't think so all right never mind well anyway just <laughs> just just for well, what about her? Just for Meg Foster. Well, because when that scene was happening, I was like, that actress looks very familiar, but she looks also very old. Who is this person? And uh, yeah, I looked it up later, and it was Meg Foster, who's been in a lot of stuff. I, I um, oh, she was in like the movie They Live, and I guess maybe not mm. Jeepers Creepers Three. Oh, brother. Uh, <laughs> Pretty Little Liars. Oh, she's been in Baskets. Okay, she's just one of those her actors to where you've you've probably right. seen her in a lot of things, and you're like, oh, look, it's her. Though you you've never yeah. known her name, and I'd never knew her name until. Yeah. But she's a very rec- <laughs> very recognizable face. So anyway, okay. Hey, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those in People Who Died this week. Oh, okay. So are <laughs> are we moving to People Who Died? Uh, do you, are you ready? Cue music. all right brother well man let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine i got ten well really nine people wow okay you must have done some deep diving to to there was some Mm -hmm. yeah like like i said there were some um some names i recognized um or or characters i recognized from certain things Mm -hmm. um that weren't really household names. I mean, yeah. um, you know, the big, big household name this the last time since we did the last episode is was Roger Moore. Absolutely. Um, that probably one of the most famous folks on the list this week. Um, right. That's which, the, you know, I've the, never been a big 007 fan. I've never been a big James Bond fan. I have only seen two or three of the movies. I used to be a I, big I, James Bond fan. In recent, probably not a huge fan anymore. Of course, the the most recent ones with Daniel Craig are well done and everything, but I'm just not head over heels for uh, Bond anymore. Yeah, yeah. it's just something that's never appealed to me. 
Yeah, I thought he, you know, no. I always thought he was the coolest of the cool, you know, the the man that you aspired to be. And then, I, you know, over time you realize, wow, this guy's a, a fucking misogynist, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, the, <laughs> the recent incarnations have been more in touch with the times. But if you if you look at some of the really old ones with Sean Connery, don't get me wrong. I, I think Sean Connery is amazing and one of the finest actors, you know, that's out there. But yeah, wow. The his James Bond is oh, yeah, he's he's quite the misogynist, but sti- right, still right, cool as right. fuck. But anyway, Roger Moore was Yeah, f- I mean those Roger those Moore Those are really dated. They are. They definitely are. And uh Roger Moore was the first James Bond that I remember seeing in, you know, a movie that came out during my lifetime. And so right. I thought he was the best Bond just because I was a little kid and I didn't know any better. As I got older, I realized that Sean Connery was obviously the superior Bond as far as, you know, the grittiness and toughness. And, and uh, Roger Moore was more kind of a comedy Bond. And so that's maybe probably why I liked him more when I was a kid. So we've we've lost Roger Moore. Now he did a TV series in the I guess it was like the mid to late '60s called The Saint. And oh, uh huh. I think in recent years there was a movie that was done. Yeah. Uh, called yeah, The Saint. Val and, Kilmer, I think. Yeah, which I don't think did very well. Him doing the role of the saint is definitely what got him the job of 007 once uh, Sean Connery retired from the role. Right. I remember seeing several episodes of The Saint, you know, in reruns, obviously, um, after I had already discovered Roger Moore as James Bond. And The the Saint was actually a a pretty cool television show. I think it was on the air for like eight years, so it must have been something Wow, I didn't realize it was on that long. I I believe that's correct. I think I wrote it down somewhere. He, yeah, he played The Saint from 1962 to 1969. So that's that's a pretty good run uh, for, yeah. for a TV show. And I hmm. guess then he was James Bond from 73 to 85. Of course, by the time 1985 rolled around, he was already getting pretty long in the tooth and was not very believable as a tough secret agent kind of guy. Right. Um, but, you know, hmm. he, he was beloved. I'd forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie Cannonball Run? Oh, a long time ago. Burt yeah. Reynolds movie. It's really kind of a. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those great race type movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, car Ro- race, yeah. tons of peop- tons of actors and cameos. Right, lots of cameos. And Roger Moore played himself as one of the contestants in the race. And, uh, mm. and he's there's one scene in it where he's he's like uh, run afoul of a, a big bad biker, and he's about to fight him, and he says, "I must warn you, I'm Roger Moore." And the biker goes, who? Roger Moore. And the biker punches him out and knocks him out. (laughs) (laughs) I only put that in there uh, for my brother's amusement because he remembers that. Oh, Ah, of course. (laughs) Um, Because I think he listens to the podcast. I'm not 100% sure. But, uh, hey, if you listen to the podcast, Frank, uh, drop us a note on our um, Facebook page. Or text me. And, and say, say, I listen. Yeah. yeah, and just say, hey, I listen. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, or say, uh, who? Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay, kind of went ape over Roger Moore there for a moment. <laughs> well, and like I say, I, I don't even think I've watched a single – I think I've only watched about two James Bond movies all the way through, and one was – 
who was before Daniel Craig? Oh, Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. Yeah. I, I watched one of the Pierce Brosnan ones, and I think I watched one other one. And I've seen, you know, I've seen clips and and bits and pieces here and there mm. on TV. But I just it just never for whatever reason it never really appealed to me. Okay. Um. So yeah. Right. Um. It's because they didn't have any pretty boys in there. Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. Yeah. Goldfinger wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And scene. And yeah. Uh, God, we we start having a good time and laughing during these. And then you're like, Um, oh, yeah, another person who died was. Yeah, I know. uh, It's just. But at least we're totally inappropriate. Well, we're kind of reminiscing about things and not laughing at a person dying. We're reminiscing about, you know, a, a person's life, really. And enjoying that. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Um, the other guy would be Chris Cornell. Yes. Who was in Soundgarden and Temple of the Dog. And um, Audio yeah, Slave. I was never a big, mm-hmm. big Soundgarden fan. You know, I really wasn't. But, you know, if, if you think about it, though, just on the radio in the background, it was kind of part of the soundtrack of our lives in the I don't know the what the late 80s and early 90s 90s mid 90s right um black uh, hole sun yeah and um the the song I really like by them uh, Mm -hmm. is fell on black days that's probably my favorite Soundgarden song that I that I've heard I haven't heard all of their stuff right um yeah and kind of kind of sad Kind of it sad, is, I guess. It is sad. He was having some trouble, and so. Yeah, and, and recent news that has come out about the circumstances are, make it even more sad. It was. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I think the latest news is that uh, there there were signs of, of of recent track marks on his arms, so maybe he had gone back to mm. uh, using heroin. Um, sad to say. Right. Uh, yeah. Because uh, they they replayed an episode of uh, Mark Marin's podcast uh where he interviewed um chris cornell and such a really good interview and uh you know it seemed like you know he had his his life all together and his substance abuse issues were you know more or less behind him so it's yeah it's sad to see someone die so young i mean he was you know basically the same age as me and it yeah it really kind of sadly puts things into perspective you know it does, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's always frustrating when, when something like that happens, and you're always like, "Wasn't there someone who could have seen?" But you know, you know, no one can be blamed when something like that happens. It's people do what they do, and that, and and no one can control that but the person right. themselves. So. Well, they, you know, they also say that you know the night that he died, that people were attempting to uh, come to his aid, but he had kind of barricaded himself in his hotel room you know behind two locked doors and they were having a hard time someone a bodyguard or something or whatever had kicked down one of the doors but was unable to get another door open and they were trying to get housekeeping at the hotel to open it and they just but for all they know i mean oh wow i hadn't read all that oh that's interesting yeah i was kind of yes following the story of course you do have to kind of take you know new development stories with a grain of salt because you know sometimes facts get kind of garbled and maybe some aren't necessarily true so uh let's have some alternative facts 
uh, slip through. Well, true. So <laughs> we should wait a, wait a while before we accept uh, all of the stories that have been filtering out as as facts. Right. So we'll we'll wait and see. But anyway, whatever the case, it's a it's a sad loss uh, in the music industry. It, it seem, is. Seems like we're almost lost all of uh, uh, the grunge generation of, uh, of famous artists. Yeah. 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 Um, not, uh, not all, but some, yeah. So that's, yeah, uh, that uh, is kind of sad. A good portion of them. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's one we can celebrate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Roger Ailes, who used to run Fox news until he got, uh, fired for being a, a, a sexual harasser. Right. Uh, allegedly. Um, y- yes. Um, so yeah. Boy, mm-hmm. And Good riddance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say that about anyone dying, but yeah, he. I think if you add up the sum total of good things and bad things that a person has done in their life, I, you know, you might have to uh, say that uh, he he did a lot more damage to this country than than good things that he did to this country. I mean, we're in this whole yeah, yeah. we're in this whole world of alternative facts. Largely due to you know his influence, so yeah, well, absolutely, yeah, least, yeah. So yeah, I have, uh, I have, I you know, I was glad when he was relieved of duty, and I was glad yeah. when he we were relieved of him. So um, <laughs> yeah, there are, uh, you know, there are some I, people who will not be missed. That's true. Yeah, I don't have much trouble celebrating when someone like that. Is right. gone. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I understand that sentiment definitely. Sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So then, when we get to some, the rest of the folks are like maybe not household names. A couple of them were familiar to me. Uh-huh. Um, there was a a folk singer named Jimmy Lafave. Right. Yeah. That's definitely. Which I know on I've my heard list. of him. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, yeah. Austin I don't resident. Know. He's not originally from Austin, but he he was pretty much a permanent resident here, and he he died here. Uh. Yeah. Singer, songwriter, folk musician. Yeah. Jimmy Lafave. Yeah. Only sixty one. Yeah. yeah. But uh, wow. Yeah. That's young. That's but he young. had a, he had a rare form of cancer. And what do you do? Right. That, he, yeah. There was there was some. I don't know how you want to say it, but I guess there was that was not a surprise. There was there mm-hmm. was some indications that uh, uh, that may be looming in the right on he, the horizon. So I think yeah. there was like a big uh, tribute to him prior to his death, where he was in attendance. Uh, I, think. I feel wasn't that at the Paramount, like just a few days before he died. Yeah, like three. I, think I remember reading something about that. Yeah, three days before he died at the Paramount. Yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. a, a lot so. of musicians that he was friends with or liked were invited to come and uh, be part of it. So, if you're gonna go, that would be a, a right. great it, way to go. It to reminds have. me of. It reminds me of that guy a couple of weeks ago who passed away, who was like a, a jam band kind of guitarist and died on stage during right. like his 70th birthday celebration. I think sometimes, too, that, you know, some sometimes your body and brain keep you alive when something big is on the horizon and, and then – Right. You you do it and your body kind of lets itself says it's okay to let go now, mm-hmm. you know. Um yeah. I, um I, I was just talking I was just talking to some uh coworkers who had had uh we had some uh, friends of mine who 
uh, like I had a, a friend who his wife died and uh, uh, within a week he had a heart attack. And I think, you know, his wife had been sick for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I think his body just kept him going while she was sick because he had to, you know, it was right. he had to be there for her. He ha- had to keep going. And then when she died, his body finally said, OK, she's gone. I'm going to let go now. And, and, you know, he had a heart attack and luckily got to the hospital and, and collapsed in the hospital and doesn't remember driving himself to the hospital. And, um, Whoa, uh, you know, and it's fine. This was like a year or so ago, but he's fine now. But I think that's what happens sometimes too. I think sometimes your, your mind and your body just keeps plugging along when it, when it feels like it absolutely has to. And then something happens where it's like, okay, it's okay to stop now. And then it just completely breaks down. Yeah, that I think that's a, a very valid point. Um, you know, um, it was like uh, maybe a, a month after my father died, my mom went into the hospital and had to have uh, uh, bypass surgery. So yeah, she was. Oh wow, she was you know staying strong and being there for him, you know, toward the end, and then right that being done, you know, it was like okay, her body, yeah, her body, her body finally said, said okay. Now it's time to now pay attention. To this. Right, you have to pay attention to me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of thing. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I she, think that happens a lot more than we realize. Yeah, right. And, you know, she fully recovered. And everything, but uh, yeah, yay! Because she's going to San Francisco with us in a couple months. <laughs> That's right. She's alive yay. and so. kicking, doing well, doing well. <laughs> uh, so yeah, looking yeah. forward to that. I love that woman. Ah, yeah, she's sweet, sweet she's, boy. She's my mom. Yeah. So, yep. Well, we got we've we've already said we you and I hit the parent lottery jackpot <laughs> agree good parents uh, definitely yeah definitely. and still do and still have good parents yeah, yeah. so she might even be li- um, she might even be listening to this podcast right now and and tearing oh. up so who knows oh <laughs> my mom i'm pretty sure doesn't even know i do a podcast but anyway okay. uh. well <laughs> mine just learned about it a i don't know maybe a, a week or two ago and so if she figure figures out how to do that podcast thing, well, there you go. Maybe she's yeah, listening. Yeah, I don't know if my mom would could figure out how to do it. <laughs> well, I think she'd be able Plus, to to go to our website and listen to it there. I mean, she doesn't have a smartphone, I don't think. So uh, yeah, she wouldn't be listening to it that way. It'd probably be our, our website, uh, ltvpod.com. That's the one. LTVpod.com, yes. Maybe she would just go to our Facebook page, A Slippery Slope, and there's usually links on there you can find us at, too. Oh, that's that's very true. Exactly. Yeah. Now, your, mm-hmm. your mom probably doesn't do Twitter, but if she did Twitter, she uh-huh. could find us at, uh, <laughs> at Slope Podcast. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I like the way you worked I used that your in mom there. To promote the podcast, <laughs> of course, and she'd be happy. She's happy that you you did that too. I'm sure. Hey, your mom probably knows this actress who died this week. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and who might that uh, be? I was just trying to. Oh, okay. Uh, Dinah Merrill. She was an actress who was uh, in Butterfield Eight, and she was in the desk set. 
Um, is it Dinah or Dina? And I have heard that name before. It might be Dina. Uh-huh. Dina Merrill. Yeah. I have definitely seen that name in credits, and um, but I don't know exactly. I like if you showed me your face, I'm not sure I would know who that is. I mean, I've heard the name before, definitely, but I I, I couldn't tell you any of the movies that she was ever in. Well, I could if I uh, yeah if I uh, went on IMDb and looked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she well, was. In- yeah, the one I you know. Operation Petticoat with Cary Grant and Tony Curtis. Was she? Uh huh. Apparently. Wow. Cool. That's what IMDb says. Hmm. She was in The Player. I'm, Caddyshack. Wow. Caddyshack Two. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. And Butterfield Eight with Liz Taylor. Butterfield Eight and the desk set. The desk set with I think is oh. that the Bob Hope Lucille Ball or is desk set uh, the um, Catherine Hepburn Spencer Tracy? Oh. Hmm. Hmm. I feel I feel like it's the Lucille Ball. No, that's Critics' Choice. I think I'm thinking of. I don't know. Hmm. She was in Someone a lot. Have to do some research. Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. S- I'm scanning down right now and I'm not seeing anything. But she did many. Uh, she did two episodes of the Love Boat. Oh well, <laughs> the Love Boat. Oh, the Hardy well, Boys. The Hardy Boys. Nancy Drew mysteries. Quincy Nancy Drew Emmy. Mystery Hour. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Hawaii Five O. Um, uh, blah, blah. Okay, there's more. So let's go. Okay. Let's run through All these. Right. All right. Sorry. Uh, before, let's yeah. go. Uh-huh. That's okay. Uh, an actor who was in Just Shoot Me and another guy who was in a lot of stuff, Marsh McCall. Hmm. Um, Marsh McCall. And then there was an – Marsh McCall, yeah. I looked at his I looked at his picture online, and I recognized his face. Um, but it's one of those guys you're like, you know, oh, that guy. Um, he was pretty young, wasn't he? Well. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, well, yeah. he might have been in his he, 60s. He was like my age. He's 53. Oh, wow. So it says, hmm. yeah. Huh. He died uh, on the 22nd. Hmm. Okay. He was in that. Does it say of what? Does not. Hmm. Okay. Come on, IMDb. Why don't you tell us? Right. That's why okay. I like Wikipedia. Yeah. Wikipedia. Uh, but Wikipedia gives doesn't you... always have pictures. Well, that's true. But yeah, he was in Just Shoot Me. Last Man Standing? What was that? Oh, it was. Uh, Is that the Tim, Tim Allen? Tim, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Right. Last Man Standing, was that the Tim Allen <clears throat> Yes, vehicle. Show? Mm-hmm. Uh, is Marsh McCall African-American? No, he's a white guy. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, also um, an actor named Jared Martin, who was in uh, Westworld and Dallas and One Life to Live. Oh. Hmm. And he was also in one of my favorite trashy movies of all time, The Lonely Lady with Pia Zadora. Oh, really? <laughs> Have you ever seen The Lonely Lady? Uh, oh, The Lonely Lady is just deliciously trashy awful. Is it almost like a softcore porn? A little bit. She plays a, an actress who, who wants to uh, have a career, and so in order to do that, she has to sleep with directors and stuff, but she does become a famous actress. Uh. And then I can't remember what happens. She, you know, she gets totally fucked up and fucked over by uh directors and producers and stuff Mm. and i think at the end of the movie she wins an oscar and and in accepting the oscar she says something about 
uh, I fucked my way to the top or something. Oh, it's okay. really, it's deliciously trashy. <laughs> it may even be based on a Joan Collins book or something. Uh, I don't know. Okay. It's just really, I, I haven't watched it for a while, but yeah, you put Pia Zadora in something, it's going to be trashy and fun. Well, yeah, she wasn't, she isn't really known for her, her great acting, so. No. You got <laughs> to appreciate that, yeah. She was only known for her good looks. Yeah. Yeah, and her bad be. movies. Oh, yeah, good looks and bad movies. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there was a um, there's an actress who was in. Um, it's funny. Last week we were talking about Kevin Smith, and, and there's an actor who was in an actress who was in Clerks, uh, pl- uh, played a character named Caitlin, uh, and the actress's name was Lisa Spoon Lisa Spoonhauser, oh. um, who passed away. And sp- um, no, Spoon Hour, Lisa Spoon Hour, Spoon Hour. Oh really? Damn, she was way yeah. young. She was like, she was only forty-four years old. That's weird. What's what was yeah, going? What yeah, was going on it's there? Sad. Kevin's. Hmm. I don't remember if she what was going on with her. Um, Kevin Smith uh, wrote a really nice little remembrance of her online uh, the day after she passed away, and and um, hmm. but I I don't know if she had been sick. It said uh, she, she had cancer or she was I battling she was battling an undisclosed chronic illness for 10 years prior mm. to her death. Oh, wow. Wow. That sucks. That's not fun. No. And then today an author by the name of Dennis Johnson who wrote a book called Jesus's Son it's actually hmm. a collection of short stories okay. um that they made into a movie with Billy Crudup. Um uh-huh. Uh, and reading a little about the book made me want to read the book and see the movie. So, hmm. okay, called Jesus's Son. Jesus's Son. Yeah, that's hard to hard say. Hard to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's Jesus apostrophe Son. Yeah, some people might pronounce that Jesus Son, uh, but right. I say Jesus's Son. Yeah. When you say Jesus's son, yeah, I would think so. Just to just to make sure that uh, you know people understand the context of that, it's a it's a possessive thing. Jesus's son, because if you just say it, Jesus's son, right? I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I agree. All right. Okay. So, what was the author's and then the, the author's only name? other thing on my Dennis with one N, uh-huh. or perhaps it's Denis. Denis. Uh, Dennis Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Probably is Dennis Johnson. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then, uh, of course, the, um, I don't know, last count I heard was 22 people at the Ariana Grande concert. Oh, right. God, what a horrible situation. I mean, that's just awful. What pisses me off is that I'm pretty sure they picked that concert specifically. How so? She's a young woman. Mm-hmm. Well, because she's a young woman, and although she she dresses kind of uh, sluttily, I guess for lack of a better way of saying it. Okay. Um, but she's all she's a big influence on young women. She's also very uh, positive role model for girls. I think all you know, other than she's kind of dresses kind of slutty. But I mean, well, you know, I think her choice. I think that that right. And I think that was specifically they were targeting that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. You know, Possibly. It, it wasn't the Beach Boys concert. It wasn't a right. whatever concert. You know, it was an Ariana Grande concert. And I, I think right. that was on purpose. Um, I'd say so. You know, evil. Be- because it's evil so, so shocking. Western civilization. Right. And it's, and it's extra shocking because there's so many young concert goers, you know, children. And so that, yeah. Right. 
as to the whole. Yeah. Young women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Young women who, you know, aren't wearing a scarf over their head. This is starting to sound racist, but, you know, young women who are not held by any kind of convention, uh, religious convention or societal convention or whatever. Young women in the free yeah. Western world. Right. Okay. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah, that, that it, just m- makes me angry. You know, me too. Yeah, it's uh, it it seems like uh, we kind of become desensitized to uh, terror attacks in the world, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I was desensitized to this just because of the the, the shocking aspect of it, but uh, it it weighs heavy on your mind and your your psyche that we still live in a time where theocratic Shit like this happens. Yeah, you know, I mean, the ideologies yeah. that uh, that sanction this kind of behavior of uh killing innocence it's uh it's horrifying i I don't know what else to say yeah yeah i mean yeah i probably shouldn't have even brought it up because it's such a downer but well it it just yeah it infuriated me you know and and it infuriated me not just that they bombed a a public place with people Mm -hmm. in it but that they you know that they specifically targeted a concert where young people and young women would be and and yeah I, I think specifically because it would be young women young women who are not being held down by religious dogma right yeah you know mm-hmm. i don't want to get too racist or or whatever well, about it but that's that's not being racist uh, that's just stating the situation um, yeah. 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 Pe- people's yeah. over the top beliefs can can lead to this type of carnage. It's horrifying. Frustrating and infuriating as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Deep breath. All right. Yeah. And 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 we'll end and cue music for end of uh, end of people who died segment. Right. Okay. There's, <laughs> All right. There's, um, there's, um, I know we want to talk about the B-52s. Yes. So we saw the B-52s here in Austin, me, you, and Sierra, your wife. Yes, we sure uh, did. For the, for the uninitiated listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a Thursday night, the 20th of May, I think. That sounds right to me. Yep. At the uh, then, ACL Moody Theater. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I saw them again two nights later on Saturday night, the 22nd, at Houston at the House of Blues. Cool. Love and it. basically, it was pretty much the same show. They did the, the same songs, I think, in the exact same order. Same opening act, did the same songs in the exact same order. Wow. Um, seeing the, ho- seeing the, the show in the House of Blues made me really appreciate the ACL Moody Theater. Oh, I mean, really? How- Huh. Yeah, House of, House of Blues in Houston is is kind of small, hmm. but they they don't have the balcony arranged to where you can see as clearly as oh. uh, as you can in in ACL Moody. So hmm. House of Blues, we were over to the left hand side of the stage, and yeah. I really had to kind of crane my head and look around to see Cindy. She was over on the left hand side of the stage because the balcony kind of cut your view off of the left hand side of the stage. Oh, well, that's Although they too did bad. Have a mm-hmm. couple yeah, they did have a couple of big screen TVs going, but well, that's good. Um, okay, uh, and 
the sound in in the House of Blues uh, theater was better than it was uh, here at ACL Moody. The sound quality, I you know, I looked online and some friends of ours that went to the show mm-hmm. uh, were complaining about the sound quality on Facebook, at, but I didn't really notice it. Uh, at ACL until until he said it and I started thinking about it I was just like yeah I guess the sound quality wasn't as good as it could have been but we were having such a good time at the show I don't think we noticed I don't think so either yeah that was definitely an energizing performance that they put on just as good as when we saw them back in 2010 of course we were a lot closer in 2010, uh, when we were at La Zona Rosa yeah. and saw them, of course, it was standing room only. So we were definitely had more creature comforts when we saw them at the Moody Theater. But uh, we certainly were closer at La Zona Rosa. Um, yeah, I, you know, ACL Moody Fest, uh, Moody Theater is, uh, there's really not a bad seat in the house, in my opinion. Agreed. And we were in the back row. We were pretty much in the same seats that we were in when we went and saw Brian Ferry a couple months ago. Yeah, that's um, true. Hmm. And um, so I, you know, and of course we were in the back row, which meant too that we could stand up and dance whenever we wanted to without having to worry about bothering anyone behind us. Um, so I, I think I was up dancing almost the whole show. I, I, I think I was uh, right there with you for I the think most you part. Were. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was a great time, man. I felt young I again. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And then yeah. uh, seeing them in Houston with with people behind me, I was much more hesitant. We uh, didn't really stand up and dance until the till Love Shack, which was the last song before the encore. Mm-hmm. Um, so we stood up and danced during Love Shack, and then they came out and did the encore, and we pretty much stayed standing up till the end of the show at that point. But um, it's kind of frustrating to be in a place and house of blues. The other thing was there mm-hmm. were people in like the front row of the balcony. And if they stood up to dance, the ushers would come down and make them sit down, I guess, because the balcony was, could be fairly easy to fall over. Uh, but it's just okay. like eh. safety issue. Another thing I, Mm. Yeah, the thing I hated about House of Blues, well, f- there were several things. One was you have to walk up a bunch of steps, and then to get to the balcony where we were, you had to take the elevator, and they told us, if you need to go downstairs, go down now, because the elevator won't be running uh, during the show, and it's the only way you can get down, or something. I can't remember oh, really? exactly what they told hmm. us. That's yeah. a little inconvenient. Uh, maybe, hmm. Yeah, um, and we waited forever, of course, to get on the elevator and get, get taken up. Um, and then at the end, they made you walk downstairs and you walk downstairs forever to get to the bottom. It just uh, seemed. And then everyone that worked there thought they were hot shit. You know, everyone that worked uh, there in the staff at House of Blues to me was like, uh, hmm. you know, they it seemed like they loved to go down and make the people in the front row oh, sit no. down if they were standing up and stuff huh. like that. Yeah, it's just not a fun just uh, not a fun place. Aww, and well, the other thing, the, yeah. uh, well, you know, the other thing they did um, uh, that I didn't like was uh, between the opening act and the B-52s, they, they had a curtain that went across the stage. They closed the curtain so you couldn't see them setting up, the, you know, how they set up this, the stuff between acts. Mm-hmm. Um so you're just sitting there with a closed curtain, not knowing if they're two minutes away from from having everything ready or, you know, it's going to be another half hour. Uh-huh. And they, they played music at full volume in the intermission. So you couldn't really have a conversation with the people that you were there with. Yeah, that's... The music was just too loud to talk to the person next to you. 
Hmm. Okay. So the experience at House of Blue is just not not as good as uh, when you were we were at the Moody Theater, apparently. And because the staff, yeah, I, yeah, and and the staff at the Moody Theater is so nice. They're and, always nice. And, yeah, and very helpful as well. And that's the other thing, you know, when we go to the Moody and and go to the bars mm-hmm. they're very fast there's usually one person taking your order making drinks and the other one's ringing you up yeah um you hardly ever wait in line for a drink uh, uh, at the house of blues we waited in line in a line 10 deep just to get a drink ooh, um which, yeah just you know two bartenders doing everything for uh, the whole balcony the whole balcony had hmm. one bar two bartenders yeah. i was just like yeah that's weird. You Frustrating. Would, you would think a, a place like the House of Blues, which is a, a chain, would have that shit down to a science, man. Get people in, in yeah. and out as fast as possible. I mean, look, you know, if uh, yeah. if Moody can do you, it, think they will, why not? Yeah. Like, I mean, Moody wants to sell you some drinks. Oh, I mean, hell yeah. And and House um, of Blues and House of Blues, uh, too. I guess, you know, they're expensive. Drinks are expensive at those venues regardless. But right. That's a fact. Um, yeah, we. But I'm, so I'm pretty sure I spent more at ACL because I, you can get a drink faster. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and you can get good strong drinks. You can get a double. Yeah, they were doing that at House of Blues too. Uh, okay. But, well, at least they got that. But right? yeah. Well, and of course at ACL Fest we went to the bar that had nothing but but bottles of Tito's there too. That was that's a fun bar. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, love it. <laughs> so, but it looked at, from the pictures that you posted. From when you went to House of Blues, it looked like you were, I don't know, in the balcony that you were in, that you were closer than we were. But you said it was an obstructed view, though. But it may yeah, have just maybe been... it was a little closer. Uh huh. But yeah, definitely m- m- more of an obstructed obstructed view. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But still, I think it's I think it's pretty cool though that you were able to see them two nights with within three days, three. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so. I don't think they played a show between Austin and Houston. So I think it was, you mm-hmm. know, they took a night off on Friday for some reason. And, and, um, sure. And then we saw the next show. Um, yeah. Fred, uh, had to get a pedicure. And I will, yeah. <laughs> I will say that, you know, there's, so <laughs> in the show, they come out and they do four or five songs. And then Fred leaves the stage and the girls do three, three or four songs where it's just the two girls. Kate and Cindy singing, and then Fred comes back and they do the rest. And when they did that in Austin, the, the girls' harmonies just seemed a little iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it may have been the sound quality rather than them. In Houston, uh, it, it did sound much better, I thought. Uh, um, okay. And maybe they were just singing in harmony a little better, or maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe it was the sound system, the sound quality, the sound mix as well. Um, yeah. But uh it was great to to go out with her and my nephew and and see a show and we went to dinner and it was just a fun time okay who went with you You my sister and my nephew okay yeah you you glitched a little bit that's the only reason i wanted you to clarify yeah oh hmm. yeah um so the opening act was the shabooms and they were fun i enjoyed them they were a little bluesy right yeah, no, I thought they were they were they were a good and appropriate opening act. I mean, it definitely yeah got your blood flowing, you know, getting you prepared 
without overshadowing the uh, you know the featured act. Um, they were right. Yeah, yeah that's they were appropriate. That, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, they're good without without overshadowing the B. They didn't you know blow mm-hmm. the B-52s away or anything. But they were kind of a fun little party band, um, and they had a great uh, African American uh, female lead singer. Oh yeah, um, she was fabulous. She was she had an awesome voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put I put the Shabooms, the best band led by a black lady in a housecoat. <laughs> 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 they were fun. Yeah, and then uh, I kind of made a list of the songs. I went through my B52s records and was like, okay, oh, what cool. songs do I remember them doing? Right, and um, <clears throat> I realized they didn't do anything off of Whammy. They didn't do anything off of bouncing off the satellites, okay. and they did not do anything off of Funplex, the most recent album. Hmm. Okay. But they yeah. they did six of the nine songs off the first album, yes. and they did five songs off of Cosmic Thing. Right. I mean, wasn't the uh, the encore they did were two songs off of uh, the their first album? I think it was three. It was Planet Claire, then six oh six oh eight four two, and then uh, Rock a Lobster. Ah, those that's are all right. on the first album. Yeah, yeah. And you know, six songs off 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 the first album, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. I mean, personally, I think that is their best album. So, I mean, why not? But, uh, right. Well, it was interesting, too. I mean, I like Cosmic Thing. It's a great album. And they do Deadbeat Club, which is a great song. They did Rome and Love Shack, of course, and Channel Z. Mm-hmm. Um, that was great. But then, like, from Wild Planet, they only did two songs. They only did Party Out of Bounds and Private Idaho. The yeah. kind of the two hits off that. Mm-hmm. And then they did uh, Mesopotamia. And they did uh, my one of my favorite songs uh, is that Umo Dean. I love that song. Yeah, which is on good stuff. Yeah, that's 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 a great song, and and I'm glad it was included in their set. Me too. It's just fun to sing along. Is that you, Modine? It's me, Modine. <laughs> uh, I just, I just, that's just one of my favorites of theirs, e- yeah. even though it's kind of a non-hit song for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that's one of my favorite B52 songs, but I mean, it's still catchy and and fun. So yeah, I'm not going to complain fun, about yeah. it. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was just surprised there wasn't a little bit more. Uh, stuff off of uh, like I can't believe they really didn't do anything off of Funplex, their latest record. Hmm. Even though you know that's six or seven years ago now. I think it came out in 2010 or 11. Yeah. Um. Um. It's just surprising that they didn't do anything from that. But maybe doesn't mean. I mean, right? It maybe, was fun. It maybe, was fun. Yeah. Maybe when that album was released, you know, they they played it. You know, they sang that a lot. You know, in addition to some of their older stuff and it's just so recent that they don't want to necessarily they didn't want to necessarily do that you know right right i think and who knows you know um keith strickland who is the who is the guitarist and he was the drummer and then when ricky wilson passed away he became kind of the guitarist and the main musical right uh person yes um you know, he has retired from touring, so he wasn't with the band oh, playing on this tour. Okay. Um, so I don't know if their main thing was to pick songs that they could all do together, you know, that they felt comfortable doing 
mm-hmm. together the the Fred and Kate and Cindy. I'm not sure, you know, what what thought process went into the songs they chose, but it was a good show regardless. You know, six songs off the first album is an amazing thing. <laughs> that is, yeah, it was. Uh, it felt like stepping back in time. It did. And they were just as, you know, when they first came out, of course, you know, they're getting older. I think we looked it up and Fred is like 65 Hmm. and, um, you know, they're getting a little older, but, Mm -hmm. uh, and at first it seemed like maybe they were they were slowing down you know they were slowed down a little bit, but then I realized they were just saving their energy for the end because, (laughs) you know. It was a lot. They end with, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they end with Love Shack, which of course people go crazy, and then they come back and do uh, Planet Claire and uh, Rock Lobster, and and th- that those that was high energy. I mean, they were, oh. you know, they had saved up their energy and they were ready to rock on those songs. Right. I mean, just to do all those fish sounds. Uh, requires an immense amount of energy. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So I, I just, it was really fun to see them twice in a row. Like, you know, uh, last year we talked about how I, I saw, um, or was it, yeah, last year, where I saw Troy Sivan two nights in a row in Austin and Houston. Right, and that's right, yeah. The Speed 52s thing was kind of a fluke. I hadn't planned to see him in Houston, but my nephew wanted to go and 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 bought tickets for us and and wanted to take his mom, and um and so you know it was just a little treat that I we you know I, I hadn't necessarily planned on, but was glad when it happened. So of course, um, I mean that's the, you know they the, those are memories that uh, yeah they last a lifetime for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and. You know, if you're going to see a band two nights in a row or or close to two nights in a row, you can't pick a better one than B-52s. <laughs> they were fun. Mm-hmm. The audience and, you know, the audience in both shows were good. They were, you know, people oh, love yeah. them. Um, so we had a we had a great time. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we you and me got to see him with Sierra again, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't imagine anybody else in the world that I, I'd like to see a concert with especially the b-52s yeah yeah we had a hell of a time Mm -hmm. they were fun yeah yeah yeah. um yeah it's me modine all right um yeah well just a uh i haven't go ahead okay well the other day sierra and i were back at the uh moody theater on, oh, that's right. You guys saw a show. Um, yeah, Tuesday night we went and saw the uh, the Black Angels. And if you're wondering about the name, they're named after a Velvet Underground song, the the Black Angels Death Song. So anyway, but uh, I think I had written something on Facebook that I said they're a they're a punkabilly gotha progadelic jam band. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like if you took the Doors, Credence, Pink Floyd, and the Reverend Horton Heat and put them into a blender, uh, you'd come up with the Black Angels. I mean, they are a band that is really hard to peg and pin down. It's like, yeah, one, one song you go, oh, they're a punk band. They play another song. Oh, they're a rockabilly band. They play another song. Oh, they're kind of a goth band like Bauhaus. And then they play another song. Oh, they're kind of a prog band. And then it's got this psychedelic undertone going the whole time. Forget about them producing a concept album. It ain't going to happen. It's almost like, um, I think you were talking about the the new Harry Styles. Harry Styles? Yeah, that one where you Mm -hmm. said it didn't feel like it was very cohesive. You know, every song was a little different uh, and not not like a stylistic theme throughout. 
I kind of feel right. like Black Angels are kind of like that. But it's kind of cool because they're kind of a jam band. And so it was interesting to see their musical prowess in, in uh, attempting and succeeding these, these different styles of music or, or the melding of different styles, you know, so... It was a good time. Mm. Sierra had a good time. and uh, Was that a band that you guys had? Uh, did you guys buy tickets or did she win those tickets? She won She's the, so good at winning tickets. She won those wow. tickets. Yeah, it was, it was an ACL, Austin City Limits uh, uh, taping for the TV show. So, uh, oh, cool. Yeah. So they had uh, uh, cameras in operation there and uh, filming in the style that they do. And uh, so Gary Lacona came out and, you know, introduced the band. The inimitable <laughs> Gary Lacona, who's been with KLRU and uh, Austin City Limits since the beginning, you know, when they first started back in the, I don't know, when was it, 72 or whatever. It's their 40th year or 40, wow. 43rd year. I don't know. I can't remember. Wow. Maybe it was. Wow. 72, 82, 92, 2002, 2012. Be like 45th year? Maybe. I, I can't remember. If they started in 72. And I think you're. I know it was in the 70s at some point. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. So. Well, it, that's cool. Well, so we'll be able to see the show on Austin City Limits eventually. Right. On yeah. The, I don't know how many, you know, how much lag time there is between a taping. It's It's probably, you know couple of months at least if not more i would imagine yeah yeah uh, how uh, long have the black angels been around do you have any idea you know i i don't know i guess i should have uh, i should have looked that up but uh, they are no, I was just curious. They, are, they are from austin they are an austin band oh really so, uh, yeah, i've never heard of them it's kind of like local boys make good so that's, well that's cool yeah that that's is fun cool. uh-huh yeah yeah well two things you you mentioned mm-hmm. uh or Made me think of two other things I wanted to talk about. Okay. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, Troy Sivan. Mm-hmm. Troy Sivan has a new has a new song out with Martin Garrix called "There for You." The video came out this week. It's amazing. It's an amazing song. Troy wears black nail polish all through the video, as is his <laughs> want. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Um, it's a uh, it's a real it's really interesting because you know I love Troy Sivan and yes uh, I gush about him a lot but um, mm-hmm. this Martin Garrix guy his style is a little different from what Troy's done in the past although not crazy in, in another genre or anything but just a little different um, so it's cool because it's kind of a new sound from Troy and and uh, the song is is really catchy and uh, I'm hmm. excited okay I'm hoping there'll be more coming soon either more either more with martin garrix or more solo stuff because i know troy's been recording some stuff uh in la so um hopefully there'll be a new album and Hmm. (laughs) okay well good i can can hear the i can hear the excitement in your voice (laughs) (laughs) i i love troy so much i know i talk all i mention him every episode that's why we call it the uh, obligatory troy savon mention um but i I, I just think he's so fucking awesome and talented um, okay. and a great a great role model for young uh, LGBTQIA people. So, OK, well, um, well, there you are. 
Um, and two interesting things going on in Austin right now. Um, you know, we've we've talked in the past about the uh, Austin Film Society uh, opening a cinema here in town. We actually went and saw the Fassbender film there a few months ago. Yes. Um, but since then, they have remodeled. They've got uh, two screens at that facility now, and oh. they've, they're uh, really doing kind of their grand opening here recently. Um so uh, I and I saw a couple things coming up that I want to see. I can't think of either one of them right now. Okay. Um, so hopefully we'll hang out and go see a, a movie at the AFC's uh, AFS Cinema uh, sometime here within the next few weeks. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I had heard mention of it. Yeah, that the uh, grand opening was coming up. So yeah, that's exciting. They're doing a lot of really cool stuff. It's one of those things that um, I, you know. Austin can support a repertory house that does old movies and foreign films and new works. And so there's going to be a lot of interesting things that they're going to show there. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's not many cities like Austin that can can support something like that. Um, so it's going to you know, it's going to be another one of those things where when people come to Austin to see some music, mm-hmm. they need to stop by AFS and, and see uh, some interesting uh, cinema as well. So uh, I, sure, I, it, it, it's thrilling that we have something like that in Austin that we can uh, support and, and enjoy. Right. And there are bound and, to be a few uh, Richard Linklater sightings as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's a big wig in the AFS man. Yeah, absolutely. Founding so, member as I, far as I know. Right. I need to take a look at their calendar again because, I, you know, he will sometimes they will put together a uh, a series of films and he will come and introduce them. And sometimes they've even kind of just let Linklater pick five random films that he likes and they'll show them, you know, every Wednesday night or something. So uh, I'm sure there will be lots of stuff like that going on that will be fun to to hang out and see. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Me too. I will have to send you some some uh, invites to some stuff I find on there that we want to go see. Oh yeah. Uh, um, are are you a member of uh, Austin Film Society? I'm not. I need to be. You know, I was years ago, and I just let the membership lapse. I need to probably uh, because you get you know yeah. you get access to special screenings, and I think sometimes preferred seating, etc. Yeah, I like. I just like supporting them. I want to support this theater because it's it's something that Austin can support and make uh, viable. Mm-hmm. And and the the best way to do that is to go see stuff there and to and to buy concessions at the concession stand. You know, <laughs> that's when true. You, when you when you support those kinds of things, then it make just makes it possible for it to continue. And yeah, uh, we need to look into just being members because it, it, just to support it, you know, right? Uh, as such a great thing. Yeah, I mean, um, member, and, and membership then, is so cheap. Uh, you know, it's pennies a day, as they say. Right. And then the other um, Austin uh, cinematic institution, the Alamo Draft House, Mm -hmm. uh, celebrated its 20th anniversary this week. Ah. Um, So um, Tim and Carrie League, they had done, I can't remember where it was. I want to say it was someplace in Arizona, like Scottsdale or somewhere. They had tried to do the Alamo Draft House somewhere else. And it really didn't take off. And so they moved to Austin and in 97 opened the Alamo Draft House down on Colorado uh, Street, which is no longer there. Yeah. Um, uh, but they were there for a good 15 years. And um, 
Uh, I was just thinking about, so that was in 97. I moved to Austin in 99, but in 98, I came here and visited a friend who was living here, which is why I moved here in 99. And, uh, hmm. Okay. Um, because I loved Austin so much. I came in the summer of 98. I loved it so much that I said, okay, I'm going to move to Austin. And the next uh, summer I did. Um, and in 98, <laughs> I came and visited my friend. We went to the Dobie Theater and saw Pi, the movie by Darren Aronofsky, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. I miss the Dobie Theater. Yeah, And then me too. we went downtown to the Alamo Draft House uh, when it was on Colorado and there was only one of them with one screen and went to a midnight showing of Escape from New York with um, Kurt Russell. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds great. That, and that was, it was so fun. Yeah. Mm, and I was mm -hmm. just like, I mean, just those two experiences within the same week. And I was just like, oh my God, I have to move here. This is where I belong. <laughs> right. Because at the time, my, my whole life was movies, man. Yeah, I remember the the movie that I remember the most seeing at the Dobie Theater was uh, the Blair Witch Project when it first came out. And uh, oh yeah. yeah, I saw that there too. Right. Yeah. Before anybody knew, or before I knew that it was not a real documentary. <laughs> oh, see, I I knew that already, so it was a yeah. it was a bit of a letdown for aww, me. Aww. Um, because and that that's actually you know how I am now where I don't want to know anything about a movie or a TV show before I watch it. Mm -hmm. It's because of the Blair Witch Project because I saw it and oh. I knew, you know, I had seen documentaries about how they made it and blah 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 mm -hmm. and I thought, wow, this movie would be great if I didn't know if it was real or not. Right. Um, but because I knew it was <laughs> fake, it ruined it and I was like, okay, from from now on, I want to know as little about a movie before I go as possible. Yeah, that's that's probably a pretty good rule of thumb cuz yeah, you know, sometimes yeah, I mean that that was a huge that's a huge spoiler to know something like that about that kind of a movie ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it had gotten great buzz playing at like Sundance and and some film festivals. And, mm -hmm. and I thought, wow, how great would it be to see Blair Witch, which you know, I guess, because that's what happened to you. How amazing would it be to see that movie and not know and be like, is this is this real? Is, right. Is this a real thing? What mm -hmm. is this? You know, um, that's kind of what happened to me. We were talking a couple episodes ago about when I saw um, the Jandek movie, you know, and at that point, right. I'd never heard of Jandek, didn't know anything about him. And I'm watching it going is this a fake documentary or is this real? It was really interesting I, to right. sit there and watch it. And even at the end, I had to come home and, and Google and see if he was a real person. Cause I wasn't a hundred percent sure it was a real thing. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, that's an amazing experience to experience a film like that. When you are sitting there going, I don't know if this is a real thing or <laughs> this is some, some great, uh, fake documentary somebody has made or, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> but, uh, I guess, but I guess in that case, it, it really truly was a documentary. So there was no, yeah. Right. But, but I mean, if you watch the Blair Witch Project without knowing if it was real or not, you can mm -hmm. sit there and go because they are acting like they're making a documentary oh, yeah. and filming themselves. Right. And, and so it, I would, you know, mm -hmm. and I was, you know, before that became commonplace. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, yeah, it was it's so yeah, it's pretty chilling, as I recall, you know, seeing that. Uh, yeah, it was very chilling. You know, cause, yeah, because yeah. you, you just, you know, you don't know. And uh, right. But, but uh, oh, speaking of Jandek, um, my friend Wayne yeah. White 
once uh, had a Jandex sighting at a recycling center in Houston. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Isn't that weird? Uh, and this was that I think, would be crazy. Yeah, I think this was shortly after Jandek had done a rare live show in Austin, and uh, unfortunately, right. I, was, I was unable to go see it. But he had gone seen it. But then I think within a few weeks of that, he he just ran into him at some random recycling center in Houston. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, wild. I you know it, it's funny because Jandek. Jandek on Corwood, the the documentary came out, mm-hmm. and at that point, Jandek had just done a couple of shows, um, and and then after that, he started doing a lot more shows and was less mysterious, uh, mm-hmm. of course, because he's he's playing live at places, um, right? Uh, and so, yeah, it, you you he's much more uh, uh, likely to see him now than you were just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when my friend Wayne had actually seen Jandek perform. It's it was a while ago, maybe yeah, 2011 I mean, I, I or something. I, I can't remember yeah. exactly when that was. I saw the documentary when I was still doing File 13, so that had to be before 2006. Mm-hmm. And I think that documentary came out 2005, 2004, five or six. Mm-hmm. And and then right after the documentary came out, and 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 I uh, started looking at him up online and and i remember he came to austin and he played the scottish right theater that's it and i thought about going and then i was like yeah i thought about going and then i was like "Mm, i kind of like keeping the mystery alive (laughs) so i was like "Eh, i don't think i want to go see him play live and probably i don't even know if i would have been able to get tickets if i wanted to um so yeah that may have been around the time that he saw him right um 10 years 12 years ago maybe yeah as i recall the 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 acoustics in the scottish right theater are not very good especially in the balcony Mm. area and i I think wayne said that yeah it was it was actually kind of hard to listen to because the acoustics were kind of kind of shitty. But, mm, uh, that's I mean, frustrating. Yeah, I mean maybe you know if you if you got floor seats, it's it may be perfectly fine. But you know, real echoey in the balcony area, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And, that's uh, never. Yeah. Never fun. Yeah, I think you you you'd probably prefer to hear uh, Jandek where the acoustics are good. Otherwise, it probably could be yeah. disconcerting because his, you know, his musical style is very unusual. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on what what songs he's playing off of what album <laughs> as to whether uh, the acoustics, you know, because sometimes it, his acoustics are kind of haunting mm-hmm. and, and echoey and, and jangly. So, yeah, it would just kind of depend on the song. Right. I'm sure on a very jangly one, yeah, echoey bad acoustics would probably be a little disconcerting. Not be good. Yeah, be hard yeah. on the ears. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Well, hey, shall we, you know, I know that we can wait to talk about some of the things I wanted to talk about. Okay. But, uh, I, I, you know, do you want to talk about Fargo and then wrap it up? Yeah, maybe we should, you know. Okay. We're, we're at about three and a half hours right now, so that yeah. might, might be a good idea. We And we've got a couple episodes of Fargo to cover anyway. Right. Yeah. So you want to you wanna take a trip to TV heaven? Oh, yeah, let's take a trip to TV heaven. Okay, let's cue that music then.
want music cues for everything we talk about. When I talk about Troy Sivan, I want a little Troy Sivan underneath <laughs> me. I want you to spend hours yeah, editing this show, putting music cues on it for me. Yeah, I bet you want a little Troy Sivan underneath you. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed I do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. So... But um, yeah. well, last uh, episode forty-one, we recorded on the f- uh, Wednesday night, and then we watched the newest episode of Fargo. Right. That was the episode. Oh, and the- see, it's funny. I thought we had talked about this because Yumi and and Sierra talked about it when we went and saw the B fifty twos. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Good point. But uh, yeah, but uh, we never discussed it on um, our podcast. And on I guess the show, yeah. yeah, on the show. So, um, yeah, what was the episode? The House of Special Purpose was the episode. Is that the name of the episode? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I that was the one that was uh, Vargas, VM Vargas, kind of fucking with Psy. Oh my um, God! I'll say, <laughs> he yeah. fucking pissed in his world's best dad coffee cup and made him drink it. Holy shit! <laughs> Talk of the ultimate in degradation, Jesus. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, and then implied that he was going to, yeah, exactly. Pretty implied that he was going to what? I don't know. Implied that he was going to have his wife raped or something, or was going to fuck her or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and even I think he even said something anti-Semitic. I was like, he's just going off on Sai. I was like, wow. Right. Yeah. I was. Really seeing Vargas uh, exert his twisted mind and power over over these people. Right, yeah. Uh, it's really interesting as we go into this next episode, too, mm-hmm. the, the kind of evolution of the relationship between Vargas and um, uh, Emmett. Yes. It's been interesting right. um, because yeah. he's, he, he's mm-hmm. so vile and so horrible, and mm-hmm. yet um, – you know, as we've found, as this has continued, Emmett has started kind of relying on him in a way that he used to rely on Psy. Ah, right. Yeah, well, that's, oh, that's true. Especially, yeah, in the uh, the second episode that we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, I, I hadn't actually realized that until yeah, you just said that. Right. It hurts me now, too. It's like he's he's insinuated himself into this company and these people's lives and business world mm-hmm. and and it's funny how uh, you know he's kind of uh, totally emasculated Cy, uh to the point where even Emmett said to Sai at one point I can't count on you like I used to be able to or something like that yeah you know? exactly yeah because uh, didn't uh, Vargas kicked Sai uh, out of his office made him take a, a different office and so, yeah, I guess that was the first step uh, in that happening. So, yeah. Right. All right. It all makes perfect um, sense now. Now. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of snapping to that as well. Wow. Hmm. Um, and then uh, Ray and his girlfriend, Nikki Swango, is that her name? Right. Nikki Swango. Uh-huh. And Ray uh, stupidly left a, a tape on the front doorstep for Emmett to find and his wife found it instead. Oh, that's right. They were uh, trying to I was just, extort money from him. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that and, backfired. Uh, right. The uh, I thought of you know. Of course, it's super interesting with um, 
um, Ewan McGregor playing two characters. And yes. so it, the character Ray puts on a wig to be the character Emmett. And, <laughs> yes, to and then impersonate a, his brother. Mm-hmm. Yes, does a fake sex tape in order to blackmail his brother. Right, right. And I'm just like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just cr- crazy, dumb, typical. I mean, what, you know, the thing I love about Fargo is um, it shows how, you know, criminals are are really kind of stupid sometimes. Yeah. And, and even when they do stupid shit, it still takes the police along. Like the more stupid it is, the longer it takes the police to figure <laughs> it out because that's a good point. Just, right. They leave so many strings and loose ends and all this shit that the cops. And mm-hmm. I think at a certain point too, the cops go, could it really be this simple? You know? Right. <laughs> you know, but, um, even though, I mean, I think that's what's, yeah. <laughs> even though that plan falls through not to be deterred, he disguises himself again and shows up at the bank and says he wants to get into the safety deposit box. And he does. And wasn't, finds wasn't that the episode before? I, I don't know. Now maybe maybe yeah, maybe maybe I'm uh yeah, feeding back to a different episode. Okay. Well, whatever. I can't remember. I can edit that out. <laughs> No, I, th- I yeah, actually, I thought that's what they did after their their blackmail plan fell through. Then he just took the same disguise that he had, went to the bank, got the safety deposit box, uh, found the dog's ashes, poured him out, kept the bag, then asked for ten thousand dollars from the uh, the bank that he wanted to uh, take out, which he put, which he then put into the dog ashes bag. Isn't that correct? no? That was the episode before. That was the episode before because then after they did that, that's when Cy went after him and and rammed his car, his Corvette, with 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 Cy rammed it with his Hummer. That happened, I think, in the episode before. Well, I thought the episode before was the when they went broke into the house, tried to steal the stamp. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't there, so she left her tampon in the drawer. So I think that was two episodes before. Okay. Wow. I don't know though. All right, maybe I'm falling. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, because this was a, this was the the episode okay. where they tried to blackmail the wife, but the wife leaves, mm-hmm. and then they keep saying, "Well, they're gonna keep blackmailing him," but he, he's like, "What can you do? She already left." Right. But then, Sai agrees to meet with uh, Nikki at one of the parking lots. Right. And she's that ends badly. That ends very badly because the the yeah. two thugs, uh, two of Vargas's thugs, show up, and of course, you know, Nikki being Nikki is kind of like, you know, you guys are a couple of dicks, and uh, yeah, that didn't end well for her. And, you know, yeah, I, I thought I thought they had they had actually killed her, like crushed her skull or something. Yeah, I um, thought they beat her to death. Yeah, but but then you know, at, by the I guess at the end of that scene, you do see her moving, and you're like, oh, okay, they didn't actually kill her. Yeah. So I was like, Phew. yeah, I, was like, I had actually, you know, I mm-hmm. when I watch the show, I'm taking notes and stuff, and I had actually typed "beat girl to death," and then I had to backspace <laughs> because right? all of a sudden she. Her hand comes around, and I'm like, "Oh yeah. my God, she's alive!" Right? Because so, I, I don't. They mm-hmm. did that so well because you just think they've beat the life out of her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He had that. He, that that guy always carries around that knotted rope with him. The uh, yeah. r- Russian oh. guy. Yeah, and yeah. Now we know why it's a fucking 
a weapon that he carries around with him. Yeah, that's just crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I typed it. It got fucking evil. It was <laughs> just that was just hardcore, man. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I was. And, um, I was beside myself. I was like, oh, I can't believe they killed off Nikki. Right. S- such a charismatic character, but luckily, yeah, that did not happen. Right. Uh-huh. And then there was also uh, at that point um, Gloria Burgle and um, Winnie. Is it Winnie Lopez? Yes. Visit Winnie. Visit Ray and Winnie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Visit Ray and and uh, I can't remember um, what they're talking to him, but they're talking to him about something, and uh, and and Ray's trying to figure out why they're both there and. Uh, I think it's Gloria Burgle says we had an intersection of interests. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I thought yeah. was a funny line. <laughs> it is. And then um but that doesn't really seem to go anywhere. They talk to him mm-hmm. for a little bit, but then they leave. And then the only right. other thing I think that happened in that episode well, there's two things. There was the thing where Cy met with um uh Ruby Goldfarb, who's played by Mary McDonald, and talked to her about selling some of their lots, their parking lots that right. they sell uh-huh. or that they own. Or or, and, or selling uh, the entire business. I can't right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they did kind of talk about that, like that he mentioned that Ray or Emmett wanted to get out of the business and do other things. I think mm-hmm. uh, uh, he said he wanted to do like a, um, when you help people. What's the word for that? Uh, humanitarian things or some like crazy a, shit. Right. But that was going to be uh, Emmett's uh, focus or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the IRS guy came, played by Hamish Linklater, who's – Usually a really weird character, but in this he kind of played a straight-laced IRS guy. Oh, very straight-laced, yes. Anal, even. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that was interesting in the next episode when you're expecting them to deal with him somehow or him to be there and the, the Asian guy goes and sits down and 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 spouts off some legalese yeah and next thing you know he's leaving he's leaving right yeah that was a interesting twist of events you know first they're going to give him fake books and then go even further yeah yeah and just yeah literally kick him out through legal maneuvering right but yeah th- that was interesting because you didn't i didn't really see that coming but at the same time that throws up huge amazing red flags we may not see the end of the irs right yeah Mm -hmm. um then this next episode was shocking in many ways oh yeah um the lord of no mercy episode yeah 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 dude the disgusting it started off disgusting with um (laughs) with uh varga picking his oh my god disgusting teeth his his, his bloody gums and ground down fucking um, meth addict looking teeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that's not. I always the, say British people have awful right. teeth, and boy, he I does hope, anyway. I hope that's not the actor's real teeth. I hope they're made up to look like that. But horrifying. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did a great job because it was. It's just disgusting. Yeah, p- picking them with that like, metal toothpick, you know, to the yes, point where he's uh, like getting off on the pain of jamming that thing into his bleeding gums. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah it, was, it was very fucked up. And then it was disgusting. But yeah. then, but then he really does take on 
size position or taking size place by, you know, insinuating himself into Emmett's office when the when um, Gloria and Winnie show up. Yeah, uh, that was interesting. But at oh, the same yeah. time, it certainly makes him like she's super suspicious. Oh, my God. And, yeah. Talking about throwing you know, up red flags that just. Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. What was so funny about that is then afterward, Varga's trying to look up information yes. on uh, Gloria to uh, use against her, and he can find nothing. He can't even find anything nothing about the, out there. the yeah. police uh, department even. So, And so here it is. It, it, it comes back, you know, the fact that, you know, she was kind of anti-technology in a way, and that has thwarted Vargas in, in his... Uh, standard operating procedure by infiltrating uh, people's computers. He's unable to do that. So he has to send out the Russian guy to actually break in and steal files. Of course, he hasn't done that yet, but probably next episode. That's what we're expecting. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, before he could do that, there was a huge plot twist at the end of the episode, close to the end of the episode. I was shocked yeah. uh, of that turn of events. At uh, yes, fuck Ray is <laughs> Ray is dead, man. Yeah. Ray died. Dead. I could not believe it. I uh, could not. I just did not see that coming. And and I was like, wow, that's crazy. But you know, it's like I I didn't realize until I mean I just didn't put it all together until we're just talking now about mm-hmm. that's the opportunity that Vargas needs to come in and and really sink his hooks into Emmett. Oh yeah. Because Cause he's got you know he's got it on him now, man. He has got it got yeah. it over him for sure. And Emmett Emmett seemed to be ready to play along anyway. I mean when he's talked to Cy the last couple of times, mm-hmm. he seems to have re- resigned himself to the fact that uh, Vargas is going to run things and he's just right. going to do what Vargas tells him to do and that maybe uh, you know in the when all is said and done he'll have a lot of money and be s- super wealthy um right he's definitely been but, uh, uh not coerced by money but uh, uh drawn in by the you know the potential of being a billionaire which right. I think will never yeah. materialize but you know th- yeah, there it I is don't know. who knows Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. Like there was a scene with Vargas in the basement where there's a Mm -hmm. picture of either Lenin or Stalin behind him. Yeah, it was Stalin. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if this is going to go back to the first episode, which started in East Berlin. Right. Before the fall of the wall. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember anything about that. I'm going to have to go back and find that discussion (laughs) Because right. it was about some guy who lived in an apartment that uh-huh. was under the name of the old person who lived there, and they were trying to pin a murder him, on him into being. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, is that going to come back somehow to be part of this as well? Um, just yeah, it's really interesting to see, to think about what's going to happen here. This, like, uh, like we've said from the beginning, this season of of Fargo is just as good as the first or second season and and right. just gets every, every episode just gets more and more interesting and and it's yeah. like how are they going to tie this all together where is it going to lead right now what was interesting to me is that you know the circumstances of Ray's death you know they're they're fighting over the stamp but not who gets to keep it but they're they're both trying to push it off on each other 
because it didn't seem that Ray was ready to the to bury the hatchet like uh, Emmett was, and uh, ultimately ended in his death with shards of glass in his throat. Now, let me right. ask you this: Where have you ever seen in a movie before where somebody died under similar circumstances? Do you remember the uh, Do you remember the movie The recall. Grifters with Angelica Houston and John Cusack? Yep, never saw it. Okay, well, John Cusack's character, that's exactly how he died in that movie. And J- uh, John ah. Cusack's holding a like a glass with uh, you know, bourbon in it or something. And some for some reason Angelica Houston hits him in the head with a a book or something, not necessarily wanting to hurt him, uh, but she's just mad at him or something. So she hits him with a tray or a book, but it ends up shattering the glass, and the shards of the glass are uh, end up in his jugular, and he he bleeds to death in that movie. Oh wow! So it's like, hmm, that's interesting. That kind of cool and and uh i don't remember ever seeing anything like this before where where the glass is in his neck and Emmett is like don't 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 and he grabs it and right and ray grabs it and takes it out and the blood just starts spurting right which everyone but ray seems to know that's what's going to happen um <laughs> yeah they always but say I, it's like wh- you've, you've got yeah. something impaling your body don't pull it out i mean of course yeah it's, it's the it's the you know just kind of a natural reaction to want to do yeah. that yeah, yeah. human nature to right. just think that getting it out would be the answer yeah right yeah but, um, um so i thought that was kind of cool and hadn't i hadn't seen that before and and uh, you know a cool in that it was unusual and and mm-hmm. unique and different right um, and you just haven't quite seen that in a, a tv show before um yeah Unless you've seen the, the the grifters, and then you're a little bit disappointed, right. which I kind of was, well, but uh, it's, it still is. It makes sense because it's you know it was the stamp and it was the glass frame, so it works. Kind of hoisted by his, yeah, kind of hoisted by his own petard. The the <laughs> yes the 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 item that had been so important to this mm-hmm. uh, conflict. Yeah. Uh, ultimately becomes the instrument that ends it. Right. Yes. I couldn't have said it better. In, a, in, a, in an unexpected way, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, after that, um, the stuff with Nikki and at the hotel where you, the Asian guy is there, but then he gets texted by Vargas wow. and leaves yeah. right before she gets back. She's a badass, and so, I, you know, totally – interested in knowing what she's going to do next yeah well one thing we definitely know she's a survivor so i think she's going to make it to the end of the show um because mm-hmm. i mean she's she's thwarted death multiple times at, or at least a couple of times at this point you know right s- surviving the severe beating that she received and and then you know just by pure luck actually having Emmett call Vargas and Vargas calling the Asian guy that he leaves right before she gets back to the hotel room. <laughs> and she right. and she, here she is armed with a coat hanger thinking that that's going to be a great, great weapon. So right. luckily right. she she didn't have that encounter. Right. But, yeah. It, yeah. That all worked out. Right. And then, of course, the very end of the show with Gloria deciding she's going to go back to Ray's 
and then of course us knowing that Vargas is there and the Asian guy will be there right. cleaning up. It's gonna be you some, know, presumably. Yeah, some serious shit going down next yeah, episode. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm. I just totally, I love Fargo. I'm Far- just totally yeah. Im- impressed with this season and excited about it. And you know, you, oh, yeah. you know, it's I, one of those great things where you just can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, I I truly look forward to every episode because it's like yeah, I, and I like um, uh, watching it one week at a time. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. when you binge watch sometimes um you know although it's nice you know like i binge watched the first season of fargo and i loved it yeah. but sometimes when you have to wait then it's really cool to to kind of think about it for the whole week and get ready sure. for the next episode yeah you you're mulling it over and you have uh, you know i see you shiver with anticipation <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it's definitely amazing television. Yeah. Yeah. We. Well, but, hey, I will just um. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're we're in the I new just, we're in the new golden age of television. Just remember, we are. Mm-hmm. I watched a couple things at my nephew's house that we have talked about in the past. Okay. I watched the OA, which I think you've watched all of that, correct? Yes. I know it's been out a while. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, binge-watched the first season of Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, okay. So that all will right. be on our list of things for next episode. Okay. I might have to make, <laughs> sh- make sure that I've seen every episode now. Um, yeah. How many seasons do a are little, uh, Is there only one season? So of far? each of those, yes. Okay. But there's, they've already said there will be a second season. Well, um, they've already said there'll be a second season of the OA and Santa Clarita Diet. Okay. Santa Clarita Diet definitely ends where you know there's more to come. It doesn't really end at a cliffhanger per se, but yeah. it does end at kind of a, a place where you're like, okay, this story isn't over. It needs to continue. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Whereas the OA, they've said, is going to have a second season. But the OA definitely has kind of an end, although it could it, continue. That's true. So, it, it does. It's like, you know, she's kind of served her purpose, so to speak. It's okay for her to die at the end. But if there's a second season, if, she probably... That's what she, happens. Right. She probably survived, you know, maybe. Well, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about it next episode. Right, that's right, our, right. That's our cliffhanger. Yeah. Our cliffhanger for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, I, I got to do a refresher now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm telling you, both of those shows I loved, so... Um, okay. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I think you probably liked them as much as I did, and so it's not so bad to watch them again. Yeah. I would watch the OA right now again if I if someone's just said, let's watch it, I'd be like, okay. I can't... Yeah, right. I... I can't remember the first time that I talked about Santa Clarita diet. If you sound, if you thought it sounded interesting, or you were nonplussed about it, I can't remember. But I'm glad to see that you are are liking it. So cool. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, I remember you talked about the first episode, and you know the first episode is a little bit gross. She throws up everywhere and all that. Well, yeah. It's it's a bit shocking talking, and over the top, right? Yeah. 
I remember you talking about that, and, and I was thinking, hmm, I don't know if I would. That sounds interesting, but you know, uh-huh. I don't know. And right. yeah, so so it was just kind of we were just kind of when I was at my nephew's, we were just kind of looking for something to watch, and hmm. mm-hmm. and he had not seen either one of those shows, and I and so I kind of suggested uh, both of them, and we ended up I and. He he kind of didn't make it all the way through Santa Clarita Diet, but I did, uh, uh-huh. um, and we both made it all the way through the OA. Yeah, and his roommate had had mm-hmm. seen the OA before. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, that's that's so, yeah. a great show, and Santa Clarita Diet is, uh, yeah, it's it's a good dark comedy, very dark comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about it next episode. All right. Yeah. Okay. Sounds great. We're gonna do. Uh, yeah, let's do an oblique uh, strategy. Think do. Okay, and I'll do a grotesque tables too. Sounds great. Okay. Okay. So, uh, what should we ask the? Um, when all is said and done, will this episode be four hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about we're about three minutes away from that, so. We'll <laughs> yeah. Okay. Emphasize the flaws. <laughs> well, that would definitely make it four hours. <laughs> all right. So what that means to me is that I'm not going to edit it at all. I'm just going to post it just as is. Put it up there raw, baby. Put it up there raw. I wish I could. Grotesque but Tables. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Grotesque Tables 2 says bed, as in what you sleep in, mm-hmm. bed monitoring Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Bed monitoring gosh. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Hilarious. Well, maybe that means, yeah, maybe you should just put it up raw and go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, there we go. Get get some sleep. Yeah, it'll get posted tonight. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, if it were true. All right, man. Well, well, we'll have uh, to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to see when the next Twin Peaks is on. Maybe we'll go a week before where there's a new uh, episode, so maybe we won't have one to talk about next show. Who knows? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we'll have to go online and find out. Yeah. All right, buddy. This is a great right, show. Man. And uh, oh, well, I guess I had a good time. Yeah, me too. So uh, let's just close this puppy out by entreating our audience to slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. Two chow fonts. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, you you won't if if there's not new episodes and you're looking for something, mm-hmm. you won't be disappointed in watching that again. I think you'll find that too that it's 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 better than you remember it being. I, th- right. I think distance distance away from it really makes it uh, uh, better. Okay. 